Hey, this is the um, Nick Will Talk About Anything podcast here in the studio. I've got BJ Shea visiting, happens to be in town, um, not under the best circumstances. Unfortunately. Um, Grandma just passed away and she is one of my my church members for as long as I've been here and she'd been here for a long, long time. But um, our families run uh, very deep, very, very parallel track in a lot of ways. your your dad who passed away last uh last when, june june yeah yep. um that was very sudden and hit us all hard obviously yeah. obviously hit you harder than than me but he was somebody that i considered a very good friend here and yeah. loved spending time with him um uh he was invited to church by um, one of my aunts they grew yeah. up just down the street from each other in flint michigan and so they went to flint central nazarene church together and then you and i have both um been around um in tennessee around the same time as each other but yeah um yeah our family you know i've lived in you know same times like flint you know nashville area you guys were in columbia spring hill area your dad came down for what for saturn saturn yeah yeah so that was that was right after they got started right they've been in operation for a little bit i think like 94 or something i think they actually started in about 89 because dad got offered to go down to saturn uh initially and he didn't really want to do that and then the right bonus package came up and yeah he's like well we're kind of tired of living in flint there's some things here changing that we don't necessarily want to be a part of it's closer to family because yeah. instead of having a a two-day drive to christmases down here in florida we <laughs> right. had a one-day drive yeah and uh so have... now your 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 mom's family is from like this area we're in zephyr hill so um some of your mom's family they moved here a long long time ago like yeah. what the 60s or something yeah so you know just to give a little bit more fourth wall breaking uh you kind of handled that obituary today like a champ trying to keep everything (laughs) uh there was a lot of together a lot of names in there and i'm like some of of them some of them gave details about them and some of them it didn't and i was like oh and then there was one of them i don't remember who but it was like it was like two names that could be like male or female each and i was like so and so and their spouse so-and-so because i'm like i don't know if it's a he or she yeah 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 i I muscled through that one yeah no i I watched that and i I think i said good job long enough for you to hear that (laughs) yeah i appreciate it but uh it was one of those where yeah my family is it's kind of interesting Dad's side of the family is from basically where where your family's from yeah and then mom's family was originally in indiana then in the 60s uh, grandpa just needed to move to a different climate it was either here or arizona he knew one person in florida (laughs) uh, and they happened to live in zephyr hills and so they came here came here and uh said well we know one guy so that's better than knowing no guys and uh it's one of those where they got invested in the community and they got connected with nazarene church because they were from they weren't they weren't nazarene they were were, okay Uh, there was one church in the town of kurtz indiana uh, and it was Nazarene Church. So, okay, so they went uh, there. They went there okay. because that's all they had. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they've been, I guess that would make me probably fourth generation Nazarene. Yeah. But uh, well, I'm, I can't. I can't. I'm, uh, as far as I know, just third gen. By yeah. my, uh, both my, both sets of my grandparents were Nazarenes. Um, my dad's family, all from pretty much around Michigan, at least for several generations they were. Yeah. And then my mom's uh, side was in Illinois just um just a stone throw i mean just like a maybe half a mile from where olivet nazarene university is and so that's how my parents met was you know over there at the college and um my folks lived around there for a while after they graduated uh my dad says he crammed a four-year degree into six years so uh, but he started actually in a ministry track to be a youth minister and 
did that for a while. Went served in a couple different churches. Um, actually, out in Colorado for a little bit too. They moved back to Michigan for a little bit, and he was serving there. But he'd kind of gotten burned by two churches in a row yep. that way. And you know that happens a lot in um, in ministry for pastors, but also, and you're a youth pastor, right? I mean, I'm actually, you're, I'm, or I'm is moved that up changed? in the world. Okay. Uh, so you're not just a youth pastor anymore. Yeah, man. my my official title at Mustang Nazarene is the Creative Discipleship Pastor. Creative Discipleship. So, I like that. so we're gonna have to dig into that in a bit. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it real fast. It, basically, I started there five years ago as their youth pastor. Wow, it's been that long, okay? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and so I was their youth pastor, and we got to the point where the youth department was really serving in like every area of the church. And yeah. we have this problem with youth groups where they start graduating. Right. And so we have a lot of students that went to Southern Nazarene University across town, yeah. and we just happened to have a really awesome youth band, like a ton okay. of talent. Nice. And, like. When I got there, we had nothing. And I just said, hey, guys, you want to play instruments? And here they are. And, like, <laughs> they just started learning okay. them, and things took off, and it was nice. crazy. And So uh, so did you have, like, a, somebody that, I mean, you don't you play a little bit, right? Like, a little guitar or I'm something? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, you weren't the teacher, right? So I you was. had... You were okay. I still am. So, like, with, with just a little bit of knowledge and talent, you're like, we can do this together. Like, yeah, we can so... Learn. Uh, my goal in life was to never be the youth pastor that had long, shaggy hair, a beard, and played the acoustic guitar. And then so naturally <laughs> I became that uh, because my life and story is telling God the things I won't do. And We'll get to Hawaii laughs, in a minute, right? And uh, ends up being that. So actually in uh, 2012, I had a fall retreat scheduled, and I was a youth pastor in the United Methodist Church at the time. Yeah. And I had a, a speaker booked, and I had a worship leader booked, and I was just going to go and hang out. <laughs> And my worship leader had a work conflict come up that she couldn't get out of. So I had $200, and I had five days, and I had no worship leader. So I went to Guitar Center in Independence, Missouri. I bought an Ibanez V acoustic electric guitar, <laughs> and I learned how to play eight songs that week. And uh, That's that's really all you've got to roll through in a weekend, because most churches yeah. just roll through a very small catalog anyway. So, yeah, like, hey, we can but, just... The Tell them that is, we're going to really learn these songs deep this weekend. Yeah, so my problem was, like, I played piano growing up. I played okay. bass in some bands in high school. So you had a little knowledge. And I played yeah. some chords, and I was like, I have no option. I have to learn this week. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no worship at Fall Retreat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I just looked up the most popular songs that our group knew and made sure I put them in the same keys. But I didn't know about this thing called a capo where you could just learn G chords and go up and down. So you could, I, you could if you had learned that, you could have been like already a contemporary Christian musician. You yeah, know, you so, had everything necessary. GCA, GCA. So I, I was learning songs in flat keys and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, this is so hard. How do people do this? And I practiced eight hours a day that week until my fingers were bleeding. Yeah. And I was like, I actually have to stop practicing so that I can play this. You're like again. Brian Adams, Summer 69. <laughs> I played it till my fingers bled. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so long story short with that, uh, ended up playing that weekend. I had an intern of mine sing. Yeah. And, you know, nice. I could play on beat and do well. And then uh, I found this website called worshiptutorials.com. Okay. And everything just clicked. And it's like, huh, I did not play the guitar or sing, didn't want to do any of that. And then just through watching some online tutorials and the way that they taught, it just worked to where, like, everything just clicked. Yeah, <laughs> Worshiptutorials.com. If there's any ministry site that I plug more than anything else, it is worshiptutorials.com. Because what's I'll put that in the show description later, too, at yeah, the end. Yeah, you should. Or, you know, later on. Um, you know, that would be awesome because, yeah. you know, it's like... 
I had no business knowing how to play the guitar and yeah. I never ever wanted to sing. <laughs> and now all of a sudden it just clicked and I was actually decent. Yeah. And I had a couple of mentors around who came in at about the same time and they just like unlocked it for me. Okay. And so, nice. um, and I've found that instead of just diving into books and theology and that sort of thing, nothing unlocked my ministry more than learning how to lead worship effectively. And yeah. theology books actually made more sense and they were easier to communicate. Mm. My prayers got better. Yeah. So just over years and years of, you know, honing that skill and still being a pretty average player, uh, I've been able to grow quite a bit to the point where, you know, where I'm at now, I walked in and I was like, hey, since I learned it this way, you, you can learn this too. way too, because yeah. I have no business being here. And then all of a sudden we had these kids like learning how to play really well. And uh, now we have a rotation of youth instruments and we have a college <laughs> band. We have all these people and, and our youth band actually won uh, Extravaganza, which is okay. a regional yeah. talent competition for the uh, Southwest yeah. field of the Church of the Nazarene. So they were the best band in all of the Southwest field. And, and you're like, and I can't take any credit. Actually, I can take a ton of credit for this. It's, like, <laughs> it's mostly God, but I did a yeah, lot of stuff. God like. did a lot of this, but I put the instruments in their hands, yeah, and yeah. they the kids were faithful, and God was even more faithful. And so wow. just over time, it's been one of those things where the more that we've had needs at the church, where it's like, how do we recreate this kind of healthy culture where we implement and be in service in different areas yeah. that are outside of our comfort zone? You know, how do we expand that from the youth ministry without hurting the youth ministry yeah. by moving me out of that role? And so, so the time was right with a, a guy that we felt pretty good about at the talent pipeline at SNU. Yeah. We hired him as a discipleship decision where it's like, if we really believe in discipleship being we teach people how to do what we did mm -hmm. and then we put them in place and we yeah. empower them, give them everything that we can and support them from the back yeah, and celebrate when they kill things that we invented for the youth <laughs> group, which I have been doing. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, we have Noah in place now in the youth ministry and the youth ministry is growing. We're probably going to have to split okay. uh, from junior and senior high because yeah. we had one group and now it looks like we're going to have two. Hey, cool. And so as as we were faithful in me stepping out of that ministry, we've also been faithful in seeing the, the worship ministry and the creative and yeah. technology ministries grow too. It's good. So, it's good. Yeah. so I love that you're talking about a leadership pipeline, um, you know, that that's basically starting as early as junior high. I mean, honestly, earlier than that probably, but that was the part that you were able to oversee. But looking at those kids and saying, you know, not every one of them is gonna be a leader, Right. Um, but they're all going to be serving Jesus if you have anything to say about it. Yeah. And so, you know, working within that and then the only way you're going to see who has like callings and qualifications for leadership is going to be um, in seeing people serving. And, yeah. and you see some and uh, I was listening to um, Larry Osborne recently talking about this and he's like, you know, the church runs on two tracks. You know, one of them is uh, leadership and one of them is, is uh, servanthood yeah. and don't don't think that those have to merge together. He's like, yeah. because not everybody that serves, not everybody that's a Christian is going to become a leader. So don't think like the highest goal for everyone is like, oh, you have to be a pastor someday. Like yeah. that needs to be your track. Some people it will be. Um, yeah. Percentage wise, it's not going to be that many, but we, we have to have both of those. You know, the church runs yeah. on both those tracks. And so, you know, it's really encouraging to hear him say that because it's like, don't look at everyone that, that has potential to serve in a great way and think okay now we've got to make you just like me right we got to make them just like jesus yeah and so that really challenged me a bit because you know it's almost like we've um 
put that on a pedestal like oh pastor is some position on a pedestal it's like the highest achievement and in all reality it's probably not um yeah unless that's exactly what god's called you to do if god's called you to do that you better do it yeah and i, th- I think that lay ministry uh just from being a pastor and having lived in several places and in multiple denominations and parachurch ministries uh, lay ministry is even more critical in yeah. a lot of ways than oh, pastoral yeah. ministry is because you know i i had fantastic youth pastors growing up and i can probably remember about four words that they said at sermons yeah but i also had fantastic sunday school teachers for sure growing up and you know for example my third grade sunday school teacher <laughs> in tennessee was a guy named herschel curry okay and he's passed now but uh it's one of those things where I'm a brand new kid in a new town. I'm from the north, kind of inner city sort of vibes. Yeah. And then I'm out I, in the country. I remember the, the feel of moving from the north down to the south and yeah, <laughs> all and, that stuff. It's like, it is different. And so, it's like, very different. the biggest rite of passage at that church was to go through Herschel's third grade Sunday school class <laughs> with the boys. And if you went every Sunday for the quarter, mm-hmm. he'd give you a Bible the first quarter. Okay. And then... If you went through every Sunday for the next quarter, he'd give you a pocket knife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. This is but, great. Like, I love it. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, in churches, they're like, all right, we're going to give all them boys a pocket knife. It's like, um, I don't know about that. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, trust me, it's a good idea. <laughs> so here's the funniest thing. Uh, so I get my first yeah. pocket knife. And I'm really excited. I'm yeah. third grade, nine years old. And I'm, yes running through the halls at, <laughs> at Columbia Grace Church of the Nazarene with this, it's about this big. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a red Baron pocket. Okay. Knife. So it had like scenes of like biplanes and nice. dog fights. It was a, uh, it was just a beautiful knife and I wanted to show yeah. everybody how cool it was. So it was also one that had one of those buttons oh, that you no. had to have to close and being nine years old, your hand strength is not yeah. what it will become. So you can get it shut. So I, so I opened it. And then I was like, look how cool my knife is, everybody. And then we're all trying to get it closed. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm just going to go find, like, this wall to, like, put it against the corner with. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm being careful. Yeah. Like, but that's not the reputation a nine-year-old boy with a knife has. Right. And so I'm walking, you know, carefully, with knife down, that sort of thing. And it's, like, just protruding like I'm a dagger in a <laughs> like movie stab or something. Yeah. And this, the second grade girls Sunday school teacher comes around the corner and lets out a blood curdling scream <laughs> so we're like you know the whole yeah. place just stops and i'm so embarrassed they've got but... you on like a watch list <laughs> for, no, for a no, while i'm trying to that. close it i just come to this wall to put it oh, against man. there and close it and yeah. so you know it's funny the things that i remember uh about about that experience but what it did i carried a pocket knife around church all the time when i was a kid and, yeah. and i remember like the old there was this like storage closet at the end of the hallway like underneath the stairwell or something and it was locked and i just never understood why it was locked and i just wanted to know what was in there and my dad's like counting the offering you know <laughs> and so like where the door trim was i found out if i could stick the blade between the door trim yeah. and the door jam i could just push the, the yeah. plunger thing and like and get in there actually no you know what i remember it was the old bathroom and i think they could just yep. close it down because something didn't work and nobody <laughs> ever went there so like ah we'll just lock that just lock room you know we don't need to fix that ever yeah. and so I'd probably just like, well, why is it locked? It's a bathroom, you know? So I'm like, are they hiding something in here? And so I was probably yeah. probably like nine or 10, you know, but or I had a pocket knife. And, you know, most churches yeah. have the secret bathroom yeah. too. So maybe, maybe it was that. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. No, that was in the, uh, the old, the old section, you know, the old part of the yeah. church where it was like the old, um, I don't know. It had this like red carpet. And, oh yeah. You know, just it was fun. This is a fun central. Uh, no, this was in uh, oh. Ortonville. Okay. At uh, Ortonville, Michigan, 
at the uh, it was then the Lake Louise Church of the Nazarene, um, creatively named because right across the street was Lake Louise, hey. and um, and then later it became the Brandon Church. Yeah. And to be honest, um, I don't know if that actually closed down or what happened, but now some folks that I know um, that are from well, they're from Flint, then they actually uh, kind of kickstarted a, a new. Um, new iteration of the church in Goodrich because that church was up yeah. and down, up and down, closed and opened and closed and opened. And um, they actually started a, a congregation there a few years ago that started booming pretty quickly. And so the district, I think, approached them and said, hey, do you want, you know, this, what was Brandon Church in Ortonville, yeah. um, just, uh, it's not either not open or whatever. It wasn't, just wasn't happening. So, so they basically inherited a building with tons of years of deferred maintenance yeah. And, you that know, a lot of potential, but just a lot of work and a lot of money. And then, yeah. and in a place where that, where a Nazarene congregation hadn't thrived in a long time. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that's going. I've got some friends that are actually going there and I've heard from them a little bit about the, the startup work, but I yeah. don't know if they've even had services there or not, but I've got a lot of fond memories of that church and, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff and cutting the grass on Saturdays. You know, we'd load up the the old John Deere lawn tractor on yeah. the old trailer, like with the tilt deck, it's like a snowmobile trailer. And uh, for people in Florida, snowmobiles are something people ride <laughs> up north in the snow. They're the best thing ever. Anyway, um, we'd pull it behind a, a Chevette, an 86 Chevy yeah. Chevette, and with a push mower in the, like in the uh, um, hatchback of the car, yeah. and we'd roll over there on a Saturday and cut the grass, you know, and um, fun times. You know, I got good memories of that church, though. And yeah. I mean, that's where I kind of learned to serve. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it was just hanging out, waiting for my parents to finish. And then once you get a little older, you're like, well, I guess I might as well do something. Yeah. You know, clean up something, fix something, do whatever. And yeah, mess around so, with the soundboard. Mess around with the soundboard. I, I wasn't allowed to do that at that church. I actually never, I never messed with the soundboard until, I think until I was in my 20s and had moved to Tennessee. Um, at that point, uh, there was a church where their sound guy had literally walked out in the middle of a service because somebody ticked him off and he just, he'd had enough. I guess. And he left. And so I went to visit my friend there. I was in between churches and I went to visit my buddy that had started going there and he was running there. It was probably PowerPoint at the time. Yeah. It might've been media shout. I think but it might've like been media, media shout, shout two or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, it was like the beta testing version, you know, yeah. but no, they, uh, so I just went in the sound booth to like talk to him and the pastor who I had met like at somebody's house, like at a, um, Memorial day gathering or something. So I'd met the pastor before that congregation. And, and, uh, so he remembered me and he's like, Hey, uh, do you know how to run sound? I'm like, mm, a little bit like thinking, how hard can it be? Right. right like, yeah. And so he's like, well, we don't have a sound guy right now. And if you could just make sure nothing goes wrong, I'm like, okay, I wanted to hang out with my buddy anyway. So yeah. I ended up, you know, starting to, I, I knew a little bit somehow or another, but I don't know where I picked it up, just hit bits yeah. and pieces here and there. And so I just kind of started figuring out what everything did on the board. Yeah. And it's really not that complicated. You look at them and it's like, this row right here has to do with that one input. And these are all your options to control it. Yeah. It's pretty simple, you know? Yeah. It I can mean, be screwed up, but it's pretty simple. <laughs> you know, it's one of those two where it's like, it looks scarier than it is. Yeah. And yet there's always something new to learn with it. There is. But what I've found is, you know, Generally, the older I get, the less room I have to learn all the new, yeah, intricate things I can do on pieces of equipment like that. <laughs> so that's where it is, you know, typical. Well, I mean, even, with, like even what we're doing stuff. here, like recording yeah. a podcast. So it's like I had to learn a bunch of stuff yeah. um, at the beginning of the pandemic for uh, putting like we weren't doing any video services. We're a small church where right. I'm at. 
and and there just wasn't a need most of our people aren't tech savvy and i know there's a whole bunch of other people you might be able to reach outside of your congregation but at that time it wasn't a priority yep. and all of a sudden COVID hits and we're not able to be in our building yep. and it's a priority so not only did i um learn a lot about recording and and things like that but i also i also started putting our services that we were recording um while we were in like lockdown mode, I started putting them on DVDs because I realized a bunch of our people don't actually do the internet. They yeah. don't have computers. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I still want them to feel connected to the church. I don't know how long this is going to last. So I started recording them like, you know, on Friday or Saturday on a DVD. I'd burn a bunch of DVDs. And then we would go around on Sunday morning and deliver them to our congregation and like hand them to them at the door. Like, here you go. <laughs> and they, it's so funny because it's like, everybody was so, so worried with everything with COVID and, all these folks, these, you know, some of the older folks are just like, ah, it's okay. Like I've lived this long. It's not going to hurt me. And yeah. and I know that's not everyone, but it seemed like that was a lot of our people's yeah, and it's experience. Like, well, I don't want to be the reason why anything goes wrong. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Hazmat <laughs> right. right. Well, and, and I'm and the now... one that's going from here to here to here. And so like, I don't want like the breakout to be, you know, my fault for trying right. to do something nice. And, and yeah. so it's like, but it was also, it was a good way to keep like yeah. check on him, you know? Yeah. And, and so, um, that was really interesting times for sure. But ever since then, it's like, okay, so then we started back in person, but half our people weren't there. So yeah. now we're learning like OBS switcher studio and yeah. stuff like that, which we're using now to record. And it's just like, Oh, this is simple. But boy, I remember like those first few weeks I was like, I was swimming. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to learn all this anymore. I'm yeah. tired of learning new things. So yeah, yeah. no, definitely a lot of that <laughs> crosses so many bridges. I mean, yeah. But you think about the pandemic, what it really did is it, it really forced a lot of churches to recognize that the world has already changed. Yeah. And that it's already operating differently. And it gives us the the blessed opportunity, That's we'll just say one. it that way, yeah. uh, blessed opportunity of how do we figure out ways and methods to get the things that need to be communicated uh, in our churches and, yeah. and in our ministries. How do we, how do we figure out new methods? Right. to do the things that are essential to the faith. And so, you know, it's it's kind of terrifying thinking, okay, so what are going to be the next things? Yeah. So we're like, you, we see church all the time and we're reactive to change. Um, one of the things that I was excited about since I was still in youth ministry at that time when everything started in 2020 was I had no rules anymore except mm, like, yeah. uh, don't kill anybody <laughs> <laughs> and try to do something. And so... Don't eat meat with blood in it, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. don't be sexually so, immoral. I think that's what Paul right, wrapped yeah. up as. Yeah, and they were like, "We we don't we truthfully just want you to try to do something with the kids." So like, well, I mean, we it wasn't that the struggle. And, yeah, that that was the struggle yeah. with like because youth groups they didn't want to meet on Zoom. You know, yeah. old you know yeah. the older folks were like, "Ah, we'll do something on Zoom." You know, and we were okay yeah. with that. And we were already using Zoom here at the church for a couple yeah. creative things before the pandemic. So that one was easy. That was easy to jump into. Yeah. But then like youth groups i was talking to the youth pastors and they're like we don't know what to do like our youth group yeah. is not meeting here so so like Fortnite, right Fortnite, okay man like we yeah. did Fortnite. uh we did rocket league we would just okay. do different wherever days. the kids already are right yeah so what we already for doing. were cross-platform games yeah because you don't want to get into the system battle where it's like mom i need a ps5 right right <laughs> ps5 didn't exist in the pandemic but that's yeah. okay fair enough uh, it's like, well, you I already have a great on that. You already have a great Xbox. Why do you need that? So, so we would look for cross-platform. We have to, yeah, have to cross-platform games yep. that were free 
Oh yeah. Or very low cost. Yeah, yeah. And not keeping anybody playing. excluded. Yeah. So what what ended up happening is our youth group went from being just in Mustang, Oklahoma, to I had a buddy in Pineville, North Carolina, who's yeah. a youth pastor there, and we played. Who is that? Fortnite. I think I know somebody from there. So uh, I know that you might know. Um, it's my friend Joe, so I knew him okay. from this new area. Yeah. No, I mean Pineville's a pretty pretty well-known nazarene church okay that area. might be why yeah, i was gonna say it so, just sounds familiar I think oh i think i know why i think i know somebody's there but i could be wrong yeah but yeah i think i know who it is um so so um yeah you know you're bringing up something interesting to me because um i was i was just um i was actually watching a podcast with lex friedman he's out one of the guys I like to, to pay attention to. And he had, uh, he actually had Mark Zuckerberg on. Yeah. And they do like a two, three hour long, you know, face to face like we're doing here. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of stuff I wanted him to ask him that he didn't ask. And, right. and he touched on a few other things about, you know, privacy and his, you know, his Facebook, you know, snooping on us and that kind of stuff. Um, he didn't touch on like some of the um, censorship or whatever stuff that a lot of people are concerned with and he just didn't seem to be maybe that was a no touch subject i don't know maybe but um but what one of the things i talked a lot about was the the metaverse yeah and and it got me to thinking i'm like you know are are we as the church did we learn our lesson through covid and all the advances we had to make quickly to get with the times yeah are we ready to start sending like digital nomad missionaries into the metaverse yeah. whenever it's live whenever it's a thing like you know, because I know, I already know there's going to be, like, the people that don't have, I'll say, a similar grasp on es eschatology that probably you and I right. share, yeah. that are going to be like, oh, that's the mark of the beast, or that's right. the end times, yeah. or whatever. And so there's going to be a lot of fear surrounding it. Are we going to be willing to utilize that platform? Yeah. And and you have to hope that just through watching how we've used the internet, which some would argue is the metaverse already. Yeah. Um, right. Just it's kind not, of surreal already. Not quite as immersive yeah. as what, what we we'll probably encounter in the future. Yeah. But I mean, just the fact that we have the ability to have scripture in everybody's device. Oh yeah. And we have the ability to have, um, you know, for example, I was driving back from my wife, Deanna's, uh, graduation from seminary mm -hmm. last week. And I was watching my youth brand youth band lead worship <laughs> without me for the first time on a rhythm and, and wow, they did great. But like, it's like I'm, mom and dad went on their first date, left the kid with the baby. Yeah, so like, are like, you okay? Uh, or watching the teddy so, bear cam or so whatever. I'm watching and it's like, oh, they're killing it. This is great. Yeah, not actually killing it. Right. Yeah, you know they're doing a good job. And so I'm like, I'm in the same place mentally. Yeah, that they are, just right. not physically. Right. And so like we've accepted that partially yeah. in our culture, and you know, I am somewhat. I'd struggle with that because sure. I, I know from experience, man, it's better when we're together. Yeah. But at the same time, am I willing to reject being together in spirit mm -hmm. because I can't be together physically? Yeah. And good. so, and, and if we're, you know, if we really do believe, um, the things that the scripture says about the spirit of God and our yeah. own experiences with the spirit of God, we know that we're, in unity on that you know i think yeah. of um being at general assembly yeah. and church of nazarene does that every four years and we gather from all over the world into one place and and have this like week-long worth of meetings and services mm -hmm. but there's like a missionary service too but at the beginning of one of these services they start having all these like so and so is sending greetings and it's yeah. like all these groups from all over the world that are our brothers and sisters in christ and and 
you know, also members of the Nazarene church, they're sending these greetings to us. And the first time I heard something like that, I was like, well, that's just weird, you know? And then yeah. after a while, it's like, no, this is actually really neat. You know, this yeah. is, um, they're like, we can't be there physically with you, but we are in the same, you know, by the spirit of God, we are there with you. And so yeah. we're sending you our greetings to say like, we're, we're one in heart and soul. Yeah. It's as yeah. if when Paul wrote that in his letters, <laughs> like I want to be with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And imagine if he could have been yeah. with, with the people that he was trying to shepherd and disciple from far and from prison. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those three-dimensional readings of scripture that we tend to gloss over sometimes sure. because it's like, oh, yeah, they actually had, like, real-life problems. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just, you know, basic instructions before leaving Earth. Yeah. A little to, more in-depth than that How to times. not screw up your life. It's like these are real-life stories of people who are trying their best to understand the timeless will of God yeah. and to speak it into the context that they live in. Yeah. And they were experimenting in a lot of ways that, that we are just sure. their context was different their context was different but in a lot of ways you know they they had similar type of struggles i mean look at look at you know some of the stuff paul wrote like to the corinthian church he's like um what is it you guys are doing like i heard like it might be a rumor but i heard one of you guys is having an affair with your mother-in-law like don't do that you know or stepmom yeah. or whatever it was it's like it's like don't yeah, yeah stepmom i think he's like just don't okay like even the pagans like the worst of the worst aren't doing this stuff and yeah. you guys have like you bear the name of christ like stop yeah. it you know yeah. and we're like oh we're so much you know we're so much worse off than it was back in the good old days it's like when was the good old days when yeah. was there a time i think that was you called know, eden yeah i think so and it's good <laughs> to long for that because i believe god's yeah. working to bring that that's if we read, yeah. you open the like last page you know like that's what yeah. he's gonna do but in the meantime, here we are, and, and you said something beautiful um, earlier in, in the memorial service for your grandmother, you know, about how, you know, she was working, you know, she longed for heaven where, you know, she's at the side of Christ right now. Yeah. But at the same time, she worked here on this earth um, so hard to bring that heaven to earth and, and to like yeah. to like steal bits and pieces of it from from eternity and planet here right yeah. now. And, and that's what we should all be doing. And, and I hope. You know, I hope your family and I hope everyone that was there heard it because, I mean, I've been in that position before as a minister who was called upon to do the funeral service for one of my relatives that passed away, yeah. who was a Christian. And I know some of my family either is struggling, they're on the fence, or they've left that faith that they right. that they had imparted to them earlier in life. And I love these people. Yeah. And and. I want to see them live up to every bit of the potential that God has called them to here on this earth. I, I want to see them in heaven too, but right now I want to see them living the life that God has called. And, and you know, one of the things that I've realized as my calling in life is um, is to this local town and not just yeah. to this congregation that's everyone's right. first Nazarene. Because the longer I've lived here, the more I see the hurt and the struggle and the pain that people live with. And... And I look at it and I say, that is not how God created us to live. Right. And I look at the sin in my own life and what it's caused. And I say, this isn't how God created me to live. Yeah. And I look back to Genesis in the first couple chapters and I see what it meant to be the image of God and, and, and what was lost there when sin entered the world. And I say, God's working to restore that. Yeah. And, and he will. And through Christ, he's provided for that to happen. But in the meantime, we still have the mess of this world going on. And there's something to be, um, something to be done about yeah. that. And in some weird wisdom that God has, He called people like you and me and yeah. everyone else that that's a believer 
um, in his redemptive work, he's called us to to work alongside of him. Yeah. Like, he could do it so much better than yep. we could if he would just do whatever God stuff he can do. And yet he's like, how about you You guys do it with me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you thinking, God? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the kingdom is participatory on every level. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that sometimes we we find ourselves getting out of is the the idea that obedience to God is not for God's benefit. Mm. Yeah. Obedience to That's God wow. is for our benefit. Yeah. And the reason why he commands us to do things is not because he wants us to not have as much fun or not be able to get all the cool things done in life that we want to do or it's not that he's trying to limit us. It's that he knows what's best. Yeah. And history has proven over and over and so, over again that when we're in the driver's seat, we tend to make less than perfect decisions. And if I if I were to have my way, uh, we had a, a wonderful barbecue lunch today. Oh, so good. And we happened to have leftovers at my house. But if I were to have my way, I would probably eat and eat and eat and eat and eat barbecue all day every day it's very good barbecue and barbecue in general is good and that barbecue today was, it was so fire. good it was fire. i mean just so, straight up and it's one of those things where if i just gorge myself yeah that is not in my best interest do i right. have the right to make that decision absolutely i have the free will to make a bad decision yeah. on my own behalf yeah however if i follow guidelines from somebody who knows more than me and i follow the example of people who have taught me hey if you don't want to have <laughs> issues yeah and if you don't want to uh gain a ton of weight and if you don't want yeah. to maybe have some terrible cholesterol and stuff like that basically if you don't want to die a really slow very painful death with a lot of medical yeah. procedures along the way yeah. reel it in a little bit maybe moderate yeah yeah um, but moderation you know, is a good position on most things yeah. in life not everything not everything uh so humanity, I, I've always thought, I forget who I'm stealing this from, but it's a pendulum. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's one of those things where we go back and forth between things because we don't have the ability to stay in the center. I think you might have stolen that from me, but I might have stolen it from somebody too. But yeah. I talk about that all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it, I see that at, at work in, um, in, in individual people's lives, but also in, um, like, especially in politics or... Yeah in generations of the church or something like that or just in generations in general that there's one group that'll look at um the things they hate that another group did whether that's the generation yeah. before yeah. or whether that's you know the left looking at the right and vice versa yeah. and so like so we elect a you know a president that is bombastic says a bunch of dumb stuff does some stuff that's good some stuff that's bad the people that hate him hate the bad stuff he did so then they put somebody else in office that's yeah. the opposite of him in so many ways and they're like well we're going to yank that pendulum back over here and we're like yeah, yeah but w w w what about you know and yeah. and it's like why can't we just kind of like slowly bring it just another nice little pendulum in the middle where we can vacillate yeah. back and forth because like the left doesn't get everything wrong and they don't nope. get everything right and the same for the for the right wing it's yeah. just like it's like there's so many things it's like if you could just give up like just give up this one little stance here you'd have so much right right here and if you would just loosen up some of this you know and we could yeah. just pull some of that best stuff but we have two parties and they've got to be polar opposites and you've got to find yourself somewhere on that pendulum yeah. and then 
in the Nazarene church, we're fairly moderate in our theology on most points. There's yeah. some things we might be a little more radical to one direction or another. And, yeah. and yet we're fairly, fairly moderate. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I think Jesus lived that way too. And there are always people that were trying to say, Jesus, you know, don't you believe this? You know, shouldn't we, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And the zealot and his disciples was like, no, you know, like we should murder Caesar and taxation everyone, is you know, yeah, taxation is theft, all taxation. It's like, well, but I like, you I like know, Rhodes. the fire department and roads, you know, like these are good things. So I'm not, I mean, I'll voluntarily pay for, you know, yeah, the and it's like, okay. major in me is coming out there. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this, the pendulum thing right yeah and and it's unfortunate but the good news is um and that's to bring things back around to the church uh when we come to the table of christ mm. that's the place where it's supposed to be the dangerous intersection of all of the different viewpoints come together as yeah. one in the body and the blood of yeah. christ where everybody has a seat at the table everybody is right. invited everybody is wanted and you know, if you look at who Jesus interacts with, yeah, and you look at the ones that he outwardly loves the most, mm. they're the ones that sometimes are the least viewed upon yeah. in in society. And then if you look at the ones that he's outwardly frustrated with the <laughs> most, um, it's the ones who who think they get it the most. Yeah, and and it's and it's even hard as a pastor because here's a confession, you know, the Pharisees in Scripture existed because they went to babylon and they said never again yeah i'm going to learn everything i possibly can to never be far enough away from god to make a mistake ever again yeah. and and they recognized and that's what took them away from the spirit of yeah. the living god and it's a, it's that pendulum thing yeah and, so. and they had recognized that the reason they had been exiled to babylon was their unfaithfulness to god and to yeah. his law at least their um their descendants had been and so you know they were they were so um so almost militant in their yeah. their you know strict adherence to the religion and so to the point where jesus who probably agrees honestly with most of their theology yeah. was their practice that was the problem he's like these guys are hypocrites you know yeah. and so he had all these you know woes to them and and yeah. um you're probably aware of this but it's like there were actually several different types of pharisees that mm -hmm. were they were all considered hypocritical by the other groups of Pharisees. Yeah. Like you guys are hypocrites because you do this thing. You know, there are some that like, they're like, we keep our head down and don't look at anyone because we might see a pretty woman and lust after her. Yeah. And so we can't look at anything. And then they run into stuff all the time yeah. and they're, they're bruised and bloody and everything. And he's like, are you guys yeah. serious? You know, like, uh, and so, so he probably agreed with them on most of their, most of their theology, yeah. their understanding of scripture and definitely on their devotion. But the problem was, their, their hearts were actually far from God. Yeah. And so when they would make a disciple, guess what? They would make him a son of hell. Yeah. You know, instead of a son of God. And, and, and so, that's why Nebuchadnezzar, Nicodemus, yeah. very different guys. Yeah. We, very we different. preached about Nebuchadnezzar last Sunday at our church. But, sure, uh, if that's, that's what, what you got to say, is a tongue slip. Yeah. Okay. That's why Nicodemus <laughs> is uh, yeah. one of my favorite characters in scripture. Yeah. Because he's the guy who you see a distinct arc of his story, where in John 3, he comes mm -hmm. under the cloud of dark and he's like, Hey, what are you really saying? Because <laughs> I'm trying like, to figure we're this out. We're interested in you, like, but like you're saying a lot of really good stuff, but yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. And then later on, like it comes to the point where people are like saying they want to kill Jesus, and he's like, "Well, is is are you supposed sure, to get sure? a trial yeah. at least?" And they're like, yeah. "Well, you're with him too." And then, <laughs> and then you find him at the tomb with yeah. Joseph of Arimathea, 
And yeah. so he goes from being a guy who's like, I just want to get it so bad. Yeah. And even if his, his perspectives were flawed, mm-hmm. he started where he was. Yeah. And, you know, in Christian circles, we give Pharisees the worst rap. Right. Without realizing that most of the time we most resemble them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, a really good youth pastor yeah. in my last few years of youth group, you know, uh, at the time I was graduating. And he was, um, he was, he was talking about that. And he says, you know, we always picture ourselves as if we are standing like right behind Jesus, probably where his disciples were when yeah. he's like pointing a finger at the Pharisees. And, and we're like, yeah, you get him, Jesus. Like, we're pointing over his shoulder. Like, you get him. You tell them. And he's like, well, I was actually talking to you guys, yeah. too, you know. We're also you not going to cut off the guy's ear like Peter did, yeah. too. So. Now, <laughs> my theory on that is that Peter was really terrible with the sword. Like, he's a fisherman, right? And it was like a it was a sword tool. It wasn't like a like a sword like Zorro had, you know, yeah. like a knife thing, whatever. Anyway, my theory is though, that he was going for the guy's head. Like, he was trying to yeah. take it off. And the guy, like, ducked. You know, and he just got well, the decision where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, maybe Wait, I shouldn't. Jesus yeah. says no ear. <laughs> but I'll take the ear. <laughs> and so, like, that's my theory, you know, is that yeah. Peter was just like, I'm going, I'm taking this dude's head off. I'm going to take somebody with me. And she's like, hey, I, uh, you know what? I could have put his head on too, but I'll just, I'll do this. Yeah. So, um, so earlier there was something you had said about not telling God, you know, what you won't do. And and so I want to I want to ask about Hawaii. Back, it always comes back to this. <laughs> I want to ask about Hawaii. <laughs> so a lot of people like when like people like me they're like hey, um, you know hey we were moving to Florida and they're like oh man you're lucky I'm like not really I don't like the heat you know hey, hot weather and I don't care about like beaches or whatever yeah. and then of course we're in Zephyr Hills which is an hour and a half from any beach anything so yeah. it's like it's just hot and humid and full of bugs and alligators where I live. Yep. Um, but uh and and you think oh it's like green all the time it's like no it's actually brown for several months out of the year and even the green isn't the deepest hues of green so it's like uh, for a guy that does like lawns and landscapes it's actually kind of ugly at times and and boring but um um you know some people are like oh man florida sounds great and they might also say hey hawaii's great and then god called you there yeah so uh (laughs) you know I'll, i'll just use the easiest term that i can when i was in high school i was a punk and uh you know i wanted to be a lawyer when i grew up okay uh, after i decided that i was unlikely to be a professional baseball player because that was first option okay uh, yeah obviously didn't work out yeah it didn't, didn't, didn't happen <laughs> it was one yeah. of those where I, I went to trevecca and i was a pre-law major because i knew i was called to ministry i just didn't want to be and so there's, so you ran from that for a bit yeah so there's there's several layers of that story but essentially uh i'd gone through a few different traumatic things uh, my junior and senior year and got to the point where I was graduating and I was considering a career in politics Mm -hmm. or I was considering the Navy. And this voice kept saying in my head, uh, around Easter time of 2009, you know, you're supposed to be a pastor. And I'd had some (laughs) real crazy, again, long story kind of stuff that where I knew it's like this voice just kept saying, you're, you're supposed to be a pastor. Yeah. You just need to apply. And I was like, no, no church in their right mind would hire me if they knew anything about me. <laughs> You're having like the Moses thing right yeah. now where he's like, oh, yeah. no, God, my voice, little... you know, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not smart. I'm yeah, not eloquent. Send somebody else. Send somebody else. Anyone else. Anyone and, else. You know, like, how so, about your brother Aaron? All right, and, I'll just send him. So God has a sense of humor, I firmly believe. I think that is overstated sometimes. <laughs> but in this case, 
I literally felt prompted the words, you won't. Mm. And so pre-law school BJ was like, okay, so here's the deal, God. I'm going to apply for one job, one time. <laughs> it's going to be the first job that I see on the Trevecca job board uh, for a youth pastor position because that's one that I could reasonably consider I might get hired for. I'm going to tell them everything about me, all of the trauma and stuff I've gone through these last couple of years. And uh, when there's they, no way they'll do it. When they yeah. say no, notice I said when, <laughs> when they, they say uh, no, when they say no, you have to leave me alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> but if they somehow <laughs> say yes, then I will do this for the rest yeah. of my life because it'll clearly be a call from you that yeah. I'm supposed to do this. And so I would go on the Trevecca job board and the only youth pastor job on there at the time is Paradise Park Church of the Nazarene, now Connection Point Church of the Nazarene uh, in Keau, Hawaii. What's interesting is I'd been in philosophical debates with people about how it was extremely uh, irresponsible for people that are not native Hawaiians mm. move to Hawaii and tax their ecosystem and the cost of living, all <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. I'd actually won debates about why what I was about to do was stupid. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> oh man, I also hate hot weather and I hate sand. Yeah. So it's interesting because I'm sitting there, I'm looking on this job board. I said, I'm going to check back tomorrow. I, I really will do this bet with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept trying to find reasons why I wouldn't have to do it. So I started looking on the Craigslist job board. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I, yeah. I just thought about like what a troll farm Craigslist is right now. But yeah. back then it, back was, then, it, was, it was pretty was, early. Like, it was that it was, was fairly early. But it no, was not but it was it was legit enough. Like I bought and sold a lot of stuff yeah. without worrying it was no for Facebook my life. You know, but, Facebook Marketplace is going to be a bit of a cesspool yeah, these days yeah, too. Yeah. But so I'm on Craigslist, like scrolling. Oh, for jobs Crazy. and uh so I, I don't see anything it's like no no none of these work none of these work and it just kept hearing this voice say you won't mm. like god is literally saying you won't to me okay <laughs> and, you know i can't explain it any other way and then after a month of like checking the job board three four times a day i finally sent in my law school resume <laughs> and the job is still posted a still month posted. later and like there's there's all kinds of things going on there and it's one of those where it's like and i don't know i don't know what i'm getting myself into and then i started to panic yeah where it's like you know i send in my resume and i remember just like knowing i was going and it's like oh man mm. i am a pre-law student yeah. <laughs> i just applied for a youth pastor job that i'm going to get so i remember going to the dining hall at trevecca and like looking just like lost <laughs> and uh so i sat down at a table with some of my friends and you know uh they were like hey are you okay it's like i just applied for a youth pastor job in hawaii i'm going to get it i don't want to go and <laughs> like easy hoss you haven't interviewed yet and so so one person went if you get that job i'm leaving the country they were already going to go teach okay. english in korea okay right? i was gonna uh, say like i was gonna be like oh and then another guy said uh well, that only makes sense. <laughs> I figured it'd take a couple more years. Oh, and I was like, these are not the responses that I was expecting yeah. to get. So yeah. I went to, to talk with uh, my, one of my professors that semester was Bryce Fox. Oh, yeah. At Trevecca. And I was like, hey, so I did this thing. <laughs> and I'm going. Is that okay? <laughs> now, were you, was this your senior year? You yeah, said? senior yeah. year. Like, I'm about to graduate. Yeah. He's like, huh. Well, 
if you do this and this, you could probably be pretty successful. If you ever need any help, let me know. All I don't right. know if you know Dr. Fox, but yeah. that's just the way he is. Yeah. Like most encouraging dude ever. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember that conversation. Probably at not. all. I remember him <laughs> saying something once at a uh, district uh, pastor's training event where he, he's like, I'll probably get in trouble for this. But he's like, I really think that we've got it backwards. We put the most experienced pastors in these large churches where they pretty much run themselves. No offense yeah. to the churches, but yep. they do. He's like, and then we take these little screwed up. He didn't say this, but my opinion, little screwed yeah. up small churches that have gotten off track on mission and vision and yeah. anything useful over Need the years and we put somebody with no yeah. anything no experience of any kind and probably honestly a very lacking education in all the yeah. most critical areas and we're like yeah. here good luck these people won't eat you alive <laughs> yeah yeah he's yeah. like he's like i think we should switch it around and give some of those some of those seasoned guys a you know, oh. shot at the little churches and see if they remember anything. And yeah, he's like, wrong. he's like, I won't get invited back to speak here anymore, <laughs> which yeah. is probably fine. Yeah. No. So, you know, he was pretty encouraging. And then, you know, it took a little bit longer to hear back because evidently this church, uh, like many small churches, they were church about 60 at the time. Okay. They had some pretty rough financial uh, yeah. things that they were working through. It was a part-time position and they were deciding if they could afford it okay and uh so, so was the, this like the first time they actually were going to have a youth pastor on staff? no uh you actually probably know the guy who was there before me his name's joe crosby oh yeah okay and, uh, yeah i think he's at sandersville church of the nazarene in georgia now. okay so yeah if he's listening out there in the metaverse <laughs> what up joe I hey joe don't think i've ever talked to you that much in person but yeah <laughs> you know uh so joe is out there and joe and was a class a great... president one year of one of the whatever yeah. class it was in so yeah and he'd done a great job at that church and the, the youth group really loved him and they're like we see the value of what's happening here we're going to fight to have this position continue uh, but we just don't know where the money's going to come from. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just kind of hang out here in limbo because a bet's a bet. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. so I I started selling off all my possessions. I got down to 100 pounds of luggage because that's what I could fit into my bags and not have to pay extra. Because if you got to be a backpacker on one of the mountains in Hawaii yeah. <laughs> to survive in this and, youth pastor position. And I remember coming down and seeing all my family here being like, hey, so I'm probably moving to Hawaii. I don't know when. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made this bet with God, and I didn't oh, know man. I'm going, and I went and saw family and saw all of my family. I said, I'm probably going to be gone for a couple of years. I don't know when I'm <laughs> going like, to see you. are like, did you kill someone? What like, happened? Okay. No, worse. I'm so, going to Hawaii. So are you going to, like, apply for other jobs? <laughs> like, yeah. And so I remember getting to the point, Memorial Day weekend, where it's like, man, this is, this is rough. It's not working out. It, uh, my best friend at the time, uh, his wife had just left him and he needed a roommate. Otherwise, he was going to lose his house. So it's like, okay, wow. I'm, in the, I'm in the central time zone because uh, I was in Tennessee at that point. It's like, I'm going to call them at 8 o'clock tonight. And I'm going to say, thanks for considering me. I'm really doing the best I can to, to figure out where I'm supposed to be in this yeah. faith journey. And, you know, maybe I'm just supposed to be a board member somewhere. And uh, thanks, but... I'm going to bow out gracefully from this process. 8 p.m. Central Time was when I was going to make the call. They called me at 7.30 no. p.m. And because, you know, you don't want to call them at like 9 in the morning. Yeah. Because yeah. They're like, why are you waking like, me up? came me out of bed to say, you're, yeah. <laughs> you got <laughs> so, me out of bed to, to, to turn me to, down. To okay, turn thanks. Me down. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate There's that, man. going to be a Taylor Swift song about that someday. <laughs> but, uh. Oh, funny story. I know. I know a guy <laughs> that um, um, dated Taylor Swift's best friend in in Tennessee, 
and I, I don't even care. I don't even remember the song, but she wrote like, wrote a lyric about this guy about how like so and so, you know she had this guy that she thought would she'd be with forever, but he broke her heart or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's about him, like yeah. straight up. You know, that's hilarious. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, they called me and I was like, Are you sure? <laughs> it's like because I tried to get more qualified people to apply. Like somehow I beat out like four people for this job that definitely should have got it. Yeah. And, uh, they're like, yeah, no, just something about your application. It was different. Like, and, you know, just the raw honesty. And You were, like, playing, like, easy to get. And they're yeah. like, we like this about this guy. We don't want all these people that are yeah. too good for us. You know, we liked the fact that you didn't send us a picture of you in a suit and tie. <laughs> right. You sent a picture of you in board shorts. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. I guess You're I in Hawaii. It figured it made sense. And uh, so it's funny because uh, I was like, all right, well. What's I'm going to go step? suffer for Jesus in Hawaii. They said... Like, uh, literally, you probably felt like it was going to be suffering. Yeah. Sand and beaches. Yeah, and, and the Big Island has a, a really large need. Like, it's essentially yeah. a uh, it's essentially a, a rainforest. Mm. And so the par- portion that I was going to is actually where the lava is, like, actively flowing. Nice. So, like, Paradise Park is a really <clears throat> beautiful place. But there's just a lot of chaos there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of need, a lot of homeless people, a lot of people that live in what most Americans would consider substandard housing. Sure. Um, you know, no power. Wow. Literally yeah. in their house, like they have generators, no water. You're like we were off grid before it was cool. Yeah. So like they literally have to go to the water station to get drinking oh, water my. because wow. yeah. there's no plumbing on a volcanic rock can't afford yeah. it so yeah. like, kind of difficult to drill through all yeah that, so yeah. like literally i remember driving to the lava tube to <laughs> fill out fill up these jugs of water for oh my different things and yeah caught rainwater but of course you can't drink that right you're throwing bleach in it to make it usable for anything yeah. and so wow. anyway like i go out there and it's like man i know this is gonna be a lot of work and i'm just afraid it's gonna be hot and gonna be gross <laughs> and there's gonna be sand everywhere and so uh, i fly out it was actually during General Assembly here in mm. Orlando. Yeah. And I remember passing GSs on the little conveyor belt thing. <laughs> nice. And it's like, I should probably remember this moment. This is significant. <laughs> and uh, so I jump on my plane. I fly out to Seattle. And I catch another flight out to uh, to Honolulu. And I get off the plane in Honolulu. And the terminal's open air. Okay. And it's 90 degrees. <laughs> and there's sand everywhere. Oh, my goodness. You're like, like, oh, gosh. You're like, is this what hell looks like, you know? <sighs> okay. Then so I jump on the next plane to go from Honolulu to Hilo, and I get off the plane, and it's one that you actually like got down on the tarmac, <laughs> right? Like one of those old school from like yeah. the fifties things. Yeah. And I look at the one side, and I see the thirteen thousand foot peak, and I've done some research, so this wasn't a total surprise, but it preaches sure. a lot better when you act like it like it was. <laughs> and I saw this thirteen thousand foot peak. And what's really interesting is it snowed in Hawaii that year before wow. it snowed in Nashville. Oh, my goodness. And Volcano is a town that's 15 minutes away from Keau, where I was living. They just named the town Volcano? Yeah, because it's where Volcano National Park is and it's okay. where the lava yeah. is. It's just like, what do we name this one? Yeah, Volcano. Mm-hmm. Volcano. Yeah. yeah. It's a volcano. Yeah, volcano. And so right next to Mountain View. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm wondering what you see out there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, that could be in 50-degree weather every single day. Wow. And it's like, okay, I can deal with that. And then I look to the other side and I see the coast. And this part I didn't look up. All I saw was lava rock. Mm. And there's, no not a, there's not a speck of indigenous <laughs> white sand anywhere nice. on the big island of Hawaii. The only place okay. that there's a white sand beach is Hapuna Beach, where they actually bring the sand they in from Australia. Barged it in. And they yeah. try to build this touristy area. So at the time that I lived there, I'm not sure if oh anything's changed. 
you know, it's one of those things where it's like, tangibly, God was like, well, how far are you willing to trust me? Yeah. Like, are you really willing to go anywhere and do anything? And I had to say, well, I begrudgingly said, a bet's a bet. <laughs> and, and so I got out there and I realized that the kids in the group that I was with had a lot of struggle. and They'd been through a lot of trauma. and They'd been through, you know, tough parenting situations. And, you know, what they told me when I got there is like, the reason we hired you is because you had a story. Mm. We needed somebody with an edge. Wow. And wow. so we saw all these other applicants and like, it's not that they, they would have been wrong. Yeah. For this position. It's just that we felt that your story was most right. Mm. And so, you know, I got out there and I just started emulating. And it's like, okay, so this is what Dave did. This is what Ron did. This is what Mike did. I'm going to kind of make my own spin on that. So it gets back to that that unintentional mentoring thing Mm. where I didn't have theological training, but I had great pastors. Sure. You know, theological training came after. Yeah. Uh, but because I had great Sunday school teachers like Mr. Herschel, who gives me a pocket knife <laughs> and gets me interested in reading the Bible because I did Bible quizzing, because I did all the, the different programming and the discipleship methods that, that the lay people of our church really ran. And I had great youth pastors that could really enhance the work that the lay people were doing. I got out there and ministry was difficult, but it wasn't hard. Yeah. And, and so, like, you're learning stuff that you actually hadn't even had schooling for. Yeah, it's I mean, pre-law. you weren't in school in any way. You didn't even have any, like, ministry training classes outside of college, the I'm only, guessing, for yeah, I had ministry. four classes at Rebecca, <clears throat> and those are just the, the, the ones that everybody has to take. Yeah, so yeah. I had Intro to Biblical Faith with Dan yeah. Spross, who's right? Because yeah. that dude is dude. difficult. I mean, taking <laughs> taking taking a... Um, a a required course, you know, not in your major with Dan Spross is an intimidating thing for people that don't know Dan Spross. What a cool guy. And I, oh, yeah. I love every minute of class that I had with him, but yeah. he is hard. And he, yeah. he even told us, he's like, you think this is difficult? And then he goes in this like uphill both ways to the school 10 miles story, like how oh, yeah. it was when, when he was first teaching. He's like, I used to make them do this, this, and this. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care. That sounds terrible, but this is hard too, man. Yeah. When, when he spoke what a, what seven languages one class period, oh I was like, goodness. oh, man. We're, we're in no wonder it. I don't want to be a religion major. Yeah, <laughs> we're in for <laughs> it. So then after uh, that, I had Steve Hoskins for Christian traditions. <laughs> yeah, there it Steve is. Steve Hoskins, man, he, I love that bow ties. guy. Bow ties, man, the bow ties. Yep. Like, and, and, and the thing I loved yeah. about Steve Hoskins was he'd have all these, like, you know, wide-eyed young Nazarene students from, you know, all over the region and he had grown up on this region yep. and and like was in their pr group singing yep. their traveling groups they would sing at different churches and so like he, during his college years he's going to all these churches oh, yeah. all over the southeast little small churches all over yep. the place Knew them all. and and so you'd have these kids in class he's like where are you from They're like oh it's this small town in south carolina he's like try me yeah try me like <laughs> and and so they would say it and he's like which church do you go to is it this one or this one and they're like is that one he's like does mrs so and still still go there you yeah. know yeah she's she's still alive yeah she makes the best fried chicken or whatever and it's like what and then you yeah. realize later like oh when he traveled with the pr groups they that was in the day when they're like they would stay in people's homes these people oh, yeah. give them hospitality yep. and so of course he's going to know some people and it's like what a rich um what a rich just experience for a few yep. years there of like you know getting to travel around and yep. and now i mean like i'm part of the problem i know it but 
we won't even open our house up you know for a neighbor yep. to come in let alone our best friends to come over and have dinner we'll meet at a restaurant you know yep. it's like sunday dinner setting the timer for a roast on the oven we don't do that it was just yep. you know sunny's or plaza mexico is right down the street around the corner from the church it's easier yep. to just go there and it is easier yeah um and as a side note like breaking the fourth wall if you go to a restaurant and you come from church or just tip. anytime you better tip extra yep. good and be nice and polite Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox yep. now. Anytime we talk about Same. church restaurants, I'm like, I, I was preaching that when I was a teenager. Yep. And my friends would be like, you know, like, uh, I don't have any money, so can you just bring me a water? And then they would keep refilling that water. I'm like, you better at least leave her a dollar. You yep. know, like she filled your cup with water 15 yep. times. You made her work. Just yep. because the water is free doesn't mean her service wasn't, you yep. know. A dollar is an insult, but at least leave something. Yeah. So they're like, what? Yeah, if you were going to hang out in a restaurant, mm -hmm. you're, you're paying for money. that, you know? Yep. And so I was, and I've people are like, oh, everybody should be in the service industry for a while in the restaurant industry. I'm like, I don't know. I never was, and I've got a pretty good grasp of how to be nice to people. Yep. <laughs> but, like, I get it. So, yep. yeah, but, yeah, Steve Hoskins was fun, man, yep. you know? And, and, and that, that hospitality that used to be so prevalent in, in Christian, in the world in general, but especially in Christian circles, I think we've, think we've lost a lot of that you know we've we've kind of gotten off touch with it and and honestly i don't know how i mean it's a generational thing on a lot yeah. of ways and i don't know how to um kick that back into the forefront of our lifestyle but there might be there that might be something that the church can offer the world because it is in our dna it's in yeah. our scriptures it's in the bible about practicing hospitality yeah. and direct you know, <laughs> direct instruction. <laughs> direct instruction there and it's yeah. like we're like so out of practice on it but it we can get back into practice yeah. and and so it's like do those things because those are some of the ways we might be able to reach people that you know they're hurting you know your kids whether it was in hawaii in the youth group there wherever yeah. it is there's people that are hurting and there's people that yeah. don't have family yeah and the family they do have is terrible and mm -hmm. if we can offer them a, a, a little slice of what it means to be part of the family of god and and the eternal implications of that um you know we might see some more effective days in church ministry again that, yep. that have been lacking. So we started talking about embracing, you know, technology and things like that. Yep. But there's some really simple ancient stuff that doesn't really cost you anything. Yep. You know, how many times have you thrown away leftovers or food that you cooked too much and didn't eat all of it? And it's like, what if you just started inviting people over, you know, yep. use Facebook, say, hey, I've got enough food for three more people. The first three that show up, dinner's ready in 20 minutes, you know, yep. come to my house. Um, I would literally do that if, if it wasn't for my wife and kid being so like, you know, I mean, you walked to my house the earlier, my daughter hiding behind the furniture, like, you know, just, and she's not even yeah. really scared of people. She just acts like she is. I don't understand it, but she's five. So it's okay. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that would like, if I see a homeless guy walking down the road, I'm like, Hey, you want to come inside? But I'm like, I've got a family. I should probably think about their safety and well being. But yeah. like, if, if I was just still like, if I was a single guy at this age, yeah. I'd be like, Hey, come on over, like crash on the couch, watch some TV, eat my food. Yeah. Like I just like cooking food and yeah. watching people enjoy eating it. Well, with the it's one of my of, favorite things. The two of us in our marriage, you know, it's really hard to cook two people meals. It is. It is. So, you know, leftovers, you know, they're great, but it's one of those things. Especially where... that leftover uh, pulled pork from yeah. lunch. Is, oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah, the chicken was pretty good too. Dude, that chicken was straight fire. I think I'm, so I'm flying to Indiana for those of you who are watching. 
But uh, so tomorrow I think I'm going to take the chicken and I'm going to put it in a Ziploc bag and have it in my carry-on. I'm just going to bust that out on yeah. the airplane. They 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 will they will stop you at TSA and scan it and check it. But they'll, they'll let like, you pass. But they'll let you pass. It's just going to be a hassle to get through. Yeah. I did that with my grandma's. Uh, it was like a zucchini bread yeah. and it was wrapped up in foil and it was in my carry-on. And I'm like, it got flagged. I'm like, how in the world? Like, it can sense organic composition or whatever. Like, yeah, there's something organic in your bag. I'm like, yeah, it's my grandma's zucchini bread wrapped yeah. in foil. You know, yeah. like, I promise there's nothing nefarious about it. And they passed it through. I'm like, you, I will eat that whole thing right here. You yeah. know, like, my yeah. grandma my grandma made that for me, and she's not going to be around much longer. I have you know? gotten, I'm eating this. I have gotten a steak through before. You're so. a steak. Yeah. So I was on vacation to, uh, to Lake Tahoe last year. There's a condo that the Sacramento District has. Okay. It's beautiful. And uh, so we just went. They had a grill at the condo. It's like, sweet, we're just going to make food this week, and we're not going to uh, eat, eat out. We're going to go hike, and we're going to brown bag it and all that stuff right. because – you know, we're not exactly what you would call a uh, well-to-do people. Uh, so, but humble servants of the but church. But the the New York Strip was six dollars a pound, and it's like, dude, what? I'm buying this six dollars a pound for New York Strip? I'm yeah. gonna buy a lot of that. So I bought everything I could, <laughs> and so I guess what we're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, dude? <laughs> steaks, New steak, York steak. Strip. <laughs> and so dude, yeah. I ended up having two left, and it's like. I'm taking this. Taking this. Yeah. So in the Reno airport, there's a picture of me that Deanna took where I'm just eating it out of the bag. And it's kind of like, you know, those uh, like those Flintstones push pop uh-huh. ice cream yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of felt like I was eating one of those, only with a steak. Because you didn't have like a plate, knife, no, nothing. Just... Just... I firmly believe that... Um... New York Strip's perfect for that. Oh, yeah. I firmly believe that, that meat in specific is meant to be eaten with your hands yep. like i'm civilized and i will but there's to me nothing better than like a steak or a pork chop that i just pick yeah, up and I take bites of. yeah oh yeah of course i mean i'm not i'm not uncultured swine yeah. you know but um yeah when, i mean if you're at a cookout i feel like yeah. it's fair game and i'm oh, not yeah. using a fork or a knife for it no. i will i will pick that up with my hands and eat it if it's at a barbecue and i'm eating outside i'm eating with my fingers yeah. it's just how it's supposed to be yeah Man, sitting cold, in an airport <laughs> eating that cold steak in the reno airport oh, it was delicious of course i got i had some people and this is of course you know the height of masking and COVID oh, and all right. that stuff so i'm taking my mask off and i'm eating yeah. steak and i have people looking at me like respect respect yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> every now and then you see somebody that's just like so like you know like the world just seems to have stopped around them and they're just living in their own little slice of it and they're like i don't care this is me yeah. You, you wish you were this cool, you know? Yeah. I remember um, going to Ichthus Christian Music Festival in Wilmore, yeah. Kentucky, oh, over by Asbury University. And I would go there. We'd go there as a teenager. And then as a, when I was college age, I would go as like an adult chaperone with the group. And, you know, you're camping in tents. You're going inside the festival grounds for all this music all day. Well, they had these showers. And they had this push button. And it would last for three to seven seconds. I don't know how they could only get, you know, three. But it's like... And it's the just the mist thing, so it's not yeah. even that much water. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, So everybody's just sitting there like holding their one hand on the shower and like trying to wash with the other hand. And I'm like, this is dumb. Um, and I don't mind camping, but I hate being nasty smelling. Yep. Like I, even as a teenager, I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not living that life, yeah. you know. And so um, I got to looking at it, and the little push button, the diameter of it and the d- diameter of like the piece of metal behind it was the same. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, this is simple. Next year, I'm just take. I brought like this rubber hose that I had sliced in half, and I brought two hose clamps and a screwdriver. Yeah. And I would clamp it at the wall, and I'd push the button and clamp it there, and it would hold itself on. Yeah. And so then, to further my uh, my own just like my own way of living, there was um, there was like 
a handicap stall legally they had to have it but there was like nobody, nobody using, using it. it yeah and it didn't have a shower curtain either and that's why I'm, I'm like we're all well not all grown men but i just i didn't even care like yeah i'm like there's a line Different of time. dudes out of here and <laughs> i'm like whatever and i would just walk past all of them set up my contraption i've got my shower for pretty much as long yeah. as i want yeah. and uh and that was my thing guys are like what is he ah, you know what i'm doing that too you know yeah. like and so it's just it's you know so if i ever see somebody eating yeah. a steak in an airport i'll know like bj started that man like that is your trend that <laughs> yep. you got going <laughs> yep. hey, I'll, uh, I'll live into that yeah sure. yeah if that's the if like that's the last thing you can leave the world you know like <laughs> you know leave them with a, you know a little better life you know an example of following christ and eating new york strips in an airport i think yeah i mean it doesn't cold. get much better than that cold <laughs> who cares you know no judgment um as long as it's you know cooked yeah. not overcooked no, you know no, like you can't overcook a new york no, strip man that's be, not okay that's sacrilegious yeah, i think that'd, that'd just be wrong I, i've said um certain times i'll be like i'll see something that's not right i'll be like jesus didn't die for you to do mm -hmm. that like yeah. i'm not saying he died for you not to do that but i guarantee he didn't <laughs> die for you to overcook you know like do a well-done yeah. steak um you know my dad you know he he would always eat like well-done red meats and uh, he'd order a prime rib. He's like, oh, well done. I'm like, how do you eat a well done prime rib? I don't get that. I don't even think you can make it legally. Mostly. I'm sure the chef spit on it. You know, like they're like, no way. Uh, that's that's ruining a shop it. thing, though. Yeah. Like I really do because. Could be. Because I think that the food industry, you know, I've been, you know, out of my weird things I enjoy, I've been watching the show called The Food That Built America. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen much of that, but I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. And so, like, I don't doubt that the, the spoilage problem right caused a lot of you know our parents oh, yeah. and, and their parents to be yeah. like you gotta you gotta make sure that all the germs are dead on because <laughs> <laughs> you don't actually know how old that is well and we would put like yeah. you know i mean i was a sack lunch kid at school and we yeah. would put like cold cuts you know and mayonnaise and mustard and cheese on on like that nasty white bread that like mm -hmm. you know is still i'm pretty sure it's still stuck to the roof of my mouth yeah and and that would go in a brown paper sack that my mom would put together at like what eight a.m. or something, yeah. and we're eating it probably eleven thirty. And I know that's not food safe laws, you know, like whatever their yeah. rules are. I'm like, nah, probably not. Like the mayonnaise thing for four hours probably is where it gets you. But hey, we're yeah. in an air conditioned building, so it can't be all bad. But you know what? I don't remember getting sick from it. Nope. And I remember a buddy of mine that I worked with. Um, we had ordered a Little Caesars pizza because we had them all the time back yep. then i could do we would do a pizza at least four days a week yep. and probably ramen noodles on the other day yeah and so that was our life there and, and so we would just get these five dollar larges and there was some left over that was just sitting out on the counter in the box yep. and then the next day he like picks Breakfast. up a slice i'm yep. like whoa dude we didn't refrigerate that he's like dude i used to i used to like be at my friend's house and i would drink all night and there would be a pizza and i'd wake up the next day and it's there and i'd just start eating it and i never got sick from that so i figure i'm good now i'm like huh, okay and so i just start eating it and yeah. i'm like oh maybe what my mom taught me wasn't 100 percent true <laughs> like there's some there's some there's some fudging on some of these rules you can do and so i'm like i'm not gonna worry about it too much and I've also left the like the coffee creamer out for a couple days at a time, like at the church, somebody forgot it. And I'm like, I'll give it a test run and see. And it's not dairy, you know, it's yeah. soy based. Yeah. And I drank some, I'm like, I never got sick out of it. And either I've got an iron stomach or it's fine. And so yeah, it's I not just like it's half I put half. it back out. Yeah, if it's half and half, I'm not messing with that. Different. I'm not messing with that. <laughs> but it's like the coffee yeah. creamer, like Coffee Mate and International Delight, you can leave those out for a good few days. Yeah. 
in the in the 80 degree classroom with no air conditioning running throughout the week yep. it'll survive so feel free to feel free to take my uh food safety advice and test it and use it however you want <laughs> i can tell you for a fact a steak in a bag all day oh yeah i had I'm, two I'm all i ate one in reno and then i ate one in vegas because again you're you're up. spreading the good news of of cold state consumption <laughs> in multiple points on cold your journey and lukewarm i guess you'd have to say. yeah yeah <laughs> i left i left a pretty um pretty good chunk of pizza in a, a hotel room in kansas city once and now i'm regretting that because i could have definitely i could have definitely brought that with me on the plane yeah. and started eating it um with this knowledge that you've dropped on me yeah. i was with my with my buddy uh, ryan that was my mentor and um we had flown together to um uh preacher's conference in kansas yep. city in i think 2015 and he and i were both here he was over in um, um st cloud church over by Kissimmee, orlando yep. area and so you know he's like hey let's go and i'm like well if i i'll drive to your house the next morning we can you know i'll sleep over there overnight the next morning we'll go up to orlando airport and fly out together yeah and and do it that way he's like okay sounds good and so we you know shared a hotel room and a rental car and all that stuff well we were looking for a pizza one night and i'm looking through like on my phone looking at pizza places and there's this one and it said uh, Chicago style deep dish. I'm like, oh, do you want Chicago deep dish? He's like, I've never had it. I'm like, what? Okay. And this is yeah. a dude, he loves food, like seriously. Yeah. And so he, um, and he owned a pizza restaurant in uh, Springfield, Tennessee for a while and all this stuff. And, you know, just never had Chicago deep dish. I'm like, how, That's how have you believe. avoided this? Okay. So we got it. And I was like, let's just do a medium. And they're like, you know, like, okay, and so they, you know, I pay for it, you know, over the phone or whatever, and they're going to deliver it to this hotel. And he's like, are you sure a medium's enough? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if we, this whole thing, like, I don't know what I bet him, but it's like, you know, I will, I will do whatever, You'll you know. regret it on the flight tomorrow. Yeah. So we <laughs> ate half of it and we were hurting, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just a medium, but you know how thick they are. Oh, yeah. And so we, we yeah. left it in the little fridge there in the hotel because it's like, we should have carried that. I'm really regretting it now. Yeah. Cause that was a solid, you know, five pounds of pizza probably that we should have taken yep. home. So, um, I have so many regrets at this point, um, because I haven't carried as much food on an airplane as I should yeah, have. It's kind of a challenge. I mean, I've done Subway sandwiches, I've done all kinds. Yeah, that just doesn't feel worth. It's not worth the same the, as a steak. Or a it doesn't feel worth the weight at the uh, yeah. at the pre or TSA thing, you know. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I don't, uh, I can't think of too much else. I mean, we could get into some uh, really nerdy theological stuff, but I don't want to bore anybody with that. Um, but um, one of the things, maybe the last thing I want to talk with, with you about right now that I can think of um, for the purpose of this podcast is um, talking about something, I think probably the first time you and I had talked it when I was down here, because I don't, um, I know your brother Tim, but right. I don't think I'd ever yep. met you in Tennessee that I remember anyway. I, I flew way under that radar, yeah. Rebecca. Yeah. People were always like, "Wow, you're related." It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Tim was actually like one of the first people I met too because um, legend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my yeah. buddy Aaron was um, from Flint, and he was going to school at Trevecca, and then he had. I don't think they were in the same suite, but they're on the same floor. They're both freshmen. They're the Benson dorm at Trevecca, which is just fourth floor. Freshman floor yeah. is just an insane. I skipped it. Ooh, I went man. straight to first floor. I, I didn't, uh, I never lived on campus. I actually bought a yeah. house before I started school there. And so then like somebody in admissions was like, um, did you think to clear that with us first? Cause everybody, every freshman has to live on campus unless they are like with family. I'm like, yeah. 
okay, well, I own my own house. I was I wasn't eighteen. Like I skipped yeah. three years before coming to college. So I'm like, uh, I'm a grown Not adult, an average freshman. I owned a lawn business in Michigan and was responsible for yeah. managing that had my own house that i rented like i'm not coming yeah. to live in a dorm yeah. you know and it's just policy stuff and it was policy but it, but it was yeah. just funny the way she phrased the question like did you even think to ask us i'm like literally no literally yeah. i did not think to ask you yeah. but anyway um so like it just wasn't on my mind uh so so my buddy aaron was living there and tim was always hanging out and of course they were like bonding over like common history of living in flint yeah. uh flint area and and um red wings fans of course you yeah. know and you know I mean, I learned to I learned to appreciate, um, you know, watching Nashville play hockey. But w- yeah. when Red Wings were in town Different playing, game. we were we were wearing Red Wings jerseys, yeah. you know, which was very um, like you take your life in your own hands, especially at a playoffs game if you're wearing a Red Wings jersey. Yeah, you know, it's at, not quite uh, that way at now. Lightning, or but... that's Tampa um, yeah. Predators. Nashville, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, and and Nashville Nashville has a I mean that's fun hockey. It really is. Oh, yeah. Like they're much better than the red wings product right now yeah but i mean just i mean the live yeah. game like watching oh, you yeah. know being yeah. being there in purpose you know in person is it's just fantastic uh it's a good experience but um yeah i remember you know remember tim from there i don't even why were we talking about that i don't even know why i started uh, talking about tim but legendary just didn't I just, know me yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah because oh no so it was um so so it's talking about meeting you so i hadn't met you around um trevecca that i remember but i met you actually down here yeah in zephyr hills and um um i remember in a conversation that we had was about you know you were saying hey the, the churches need to be almost bivocational like pastors yeah, are you know the church needs to be yeah and co-vocational is the term yeah. now these days that that i really resonate with a lot more because yeah. it's like we have kind of really one vocation and that's doing whatever god's yeah. called us to do and sometimes that involves um spending your time in a different environment that you might get a paycheck from yeah another job but the, the vocation is still the same the purpose is still the same yeah and so um churches need to have basically like a secondary income stream and that yeah. might also provide a missional opportunity yeah so like this church we we operate a uh, child care center with um, pre-k and then before and after school care for our uh, elementary school kids and so we run like two van loads of kids to one school and two van loads to the other school and when i got here it was like they had a a little like not even the extended voyager like the plymouth voyager the short van with the um um the one window that wouldn't roll down and the non-working air conditioner so you roll down one window and that's it that's what you get and so this is just a pitiful van and we sold it for 600 bucks and i felt horrible charging that much you yeah, know i was gonna say like that's it was, doing well yeah and so um well you know those things like you, your family's had a couple yep. like those things just hardly die unless you roll them over or something like that but anyway yep. <laughs> sorry yep. um so. i didn't do that just in case anybody uh i won't throw anyone under the bus but, but somebody I. somebody may have done not that I. but um but anyway uh you know so that's grown really well and and you know we've had a couple church folks a couple of our staff members have worked at the daycare at times too and we try to have a ministry to the families there but but also we started working on it where it was actually just profitable at the same time and and that has allowed us to do a lot of things um both in repairing just deferred maintenance or in non non non-building code speak that's uh buildings that are falling apart or threatening to or just you know 
ancient like we had carpet in the gymnasium that was from 1986 yeah and it's like we just tore that out last year but for, for reference the i was born in 1987 <laughs> so it's carpet older than you 36 year old and carpet. yeah like wow okay i just had a an image but i was like no nah, i'm not going to use that one uh, <laughs> but can you imagine all the spills and messes that yep. land yep. on carpet in a multi-purpose building where we started feeding daycare kids yeah. you know and they're spilling stuff left and right yeah. and we're yeah. like ah that's probably fine so when we started serving breakfast there and they had milk and it started spilling yep. oh nasty so th- the daycare has been able to um massively assist or in whole part pay for many of those upgrades we've done yeah and and at the same time offering us missional opportunities that we otherwise might not have right so what are some other things that you think that um churches can or should be doing or what are some ways that we can creatively think about you know if it's not if you're like well we don't want to run a school and we don't want to do this or that how can somebody start thinking about what could we do? Yeah, um, man, that's a loaded question. I know, and uh, I apologize, but, but you can handle it. Well, so for context, I think that, that our conversation all those years ago happened. I think I was here to speak for Faith Promise. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the intention was to talk about Hawaii, but I actually talked a lot more about Shelterwood, which is the boarding right. school that I worked at, where I was a live-in mentor for troubled teenagers and uh, ended up becoming one of the directors there for five and a half years. And simultaneously with that, I was a part-time youth pastor in a United Methodist church. Yeah. And the reality is when people think of kids in like group home settings and like uh, what would be called an alternative school, is you think of juvenile delinquency, mm-hmm. it's not always that. So we had some kids that were avoiding, you know, juvenile detention and we were a, a, a type of diversion treatment for them yeah. instead of having to go to juvenile uh, facilities. But more often than not, we had kids that were dealing with trauma and we had kids that were needing therapy and they Mm -hmm. were needing, you know, just extra help to where they could be at home. So that was kind of my story at that time is I had had this theory. It's like, okay, so I'm working at this boarding school with these really awesome kids who look just like every kid in every youth group in America. And they've been labeled as, uh, problems. Mm. And when you live into a label, it tends to define who your future can't become. So my mm, theory was... Hold on there a second. When you live into a label, it tends to define... The future. The future. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be very negative for many years before yep. you finally figure out how to climb your way out of that or maybe yep. never do. Yeah. And so it's actually critical that in that boarding school type of environment or in any environment, struggling, struggling yeah. kids... Uh, that you find ways to bring them back into places where they can get new labels mm. where it's like, no, you're not a problem. You're beloved. Yeah. Uh, you belong here. And so mm. I had this theory and as I told the church, it's like, Hey, I'd really like to start bringing some of my, my group home kids here. I'll be selective. Yeah. They're going to be kids that already, you know, have some sort of faith background, but I right. think you'll be shocked that you won't even know the difference mm. between the students that we have on our campus already and the students that come okay. in from the school. Sure. And so like we had kids from the alternative school, like ushering and running sound yeah. and doing all kinds of stuff. And they were so so you like, actually, was it just like a courtesy thing or were you actually like, you kind of had to ask for permission to do that? It's it, it just courtesy. Uh, yeah. You know, like, and, just kind of letting you know, like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. They're not 
these kids aren't like yeah. gonna start running around being yeah don't insane. worry yeah like these it was are more like along those lines it, it's more of like you know and, and my boss at the time he came out and spoke at the chapel for us so he okay. got it yeah but yeah. there there were some that were it was like oh well that's kind of scary and then we had a couple of kids from our actual youth group in different alternative schools mm. it's like so hey guess what <laughs> <laughs> you know we we already have this group so let's minister to them yeah. and they found a place to belong and what what actually happened was through two jobs that couldn't support me on their own i had two jobs that mm. were the same mission okay and hence the co-vocational the, the co-vocationality kind of thing. Yeah. I like, realized, like cooperative vocations yeah so because a lot of times it's bivocational, and I think I was talking with your dad about this yesterday. Um, bivocational, the connotation would be like, so I'm a real estate agent uh, yeah. by day, and I'm a pastor in the evenings and on Sundays yeah. and that sort of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Sure. And you can even find well, a way to use that career to help people get into housing they can afford. And, yeah, like it's a, it can yeah. be a very noble thing. It can be a yeah. very beneficial thing. But I think for so long when we, when we use the term bivocational it was almost like Separate. well i i work yeah. at a church in ministry as a pastor yeah but they can't afford to or won't or whatever pay me what i yeah. need to live off of or want to live off of so i have to do this other thing yeah. and to be honest i i fell into that trap of thinking of it that way for so long um my yeah. first congregation before this one it, they had provided a house yeah. and the utilities and it was a cool house too like we missed yeah. that house um and in a great neighborhood but but there was zero income ever i didn't have mileage reimbursements there wasn't a yeah. reimbursement for a library of book you know to buy yeah. books or to go to conferences or anything we yeah. were on our own for all this stuff and so i was like well i have to have another job to survive yeah. which was true yep. but i didn't look at that job as a missional opportunity yeah. to accompany what i was doing there in the church and i think a lot of church planting folks get this like just in, instinctively yeah. or intuitively almost they're like well i can go work like as a barista and talk to a ton of sure. people yep. or something like that and same thing with the realtor. I mean, any job yeah. that gets you in front of people and gives you opportunity for a yeah. conversation can can coordinate very well yeah. with whatever your ministry role is. Yeah, when I was in Hawaii, I was coach. So yeah. I coached basketball and football. Sure. You know, I, I also did some real estate stuff. I, I was working seven jobs at the same time just to be able to eat. <laughs> I think because... I've only done three to four, so that's good. Yeah, yeah good so, you know, the hustle. Well, and eating in Hawaii isn't cheap, right? Yeah, like... Captain Crunch was $9 a box Oof. when I was there. So uh, I mostly ate cornflakes. <laughs> uh, well, I mostly ate food pantry food that our mm -hmm. church had, and uh, I'd eat basically. They, they one got meal you like day. squirreled away in the food pantry. Yeah. Like I lived in the garage, <laughs> and my bedroom became the youth room. And that's a whole another story. But uh, the pastor didn't love that the youth room was right under his bedroom, so we we had some good times. But uh, but anyway, so the the idea that church has changed, and church in America in particular, is changing. Because I actually think that the cost of being a part-time pastor is often greater yeah. than the cost of being a full-time pastor. And, and I'm blessed now at this point to where God's called me to full-time work at Mustang. But I also remember all of the things that have gone into that. So it's like, okay, so how do I take this job, the, even this full-time pastor job, make it co-vocational where it's like okay mm. we have all of these kids that are coming out of snu that need mentorship yeah so mustang is one of the most sought after internships in the program okay. because it's like so i don't get paid for this god's providing for my needs over here this is the conduit through which god is providing for me so now i'm going to minister to this group of people and then i'm also going to bring these ones in and make this be a mentoring church yeah it's good. where you know we have six interns through the 
theology of ministry wow. program at SNU, and they have 40 in the program. Oh my and we're a mid-sized church yeah. uh, for Nazarene standards. Yeah. Uh, we're a fairly large church in our district. Sure. But um, but we have a huge chunk of this program because it's like, I don't get paid for this, but I'm on campus recruiting it like college yeah. football coach. Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, guess what? You're going into ministry. It's going to be very hard. I started off like grinding. <laughs> I don't want you to have to learn all the lessons the way I did. So sure. now I'm going to pour it in this way. And so I take this, this gift that I have, and now I can use it to help enhance these people. And I think that that's really what church is becoming is it's like, how do you take the resources that God has entrusted you with and how do you maximize them? Yeah. So like, you know, if my ability now is to teach young pastors how to avoid the mistakes that I did, that I made a ton of, through lack of training and lack of coaching, that sort of thing. And there, there are gaps in any college program where it's like, they don't teach you how to do crisis intervention. Oh, for sure. They don't teach you how to talk to a parent that's been, you know, self talk, talk to a parent whose son or daughter has been self-harming yeah. and you're the one who found out and they don't tell you a lot of things about how to do there's, things in church. There's so much. And then not only that, yeah. but the way, the way certain things are shifting and changing in the yeah. world. Yeah. They can't. I mean, no. there's no way to there's no way to be ahead of the curve enough on on being able to devise a teaching curriculum and a program yeah. and teach them because before you know it, that's already obsolete. obsolete. <laughs> and then the next like dramatic shift in culture is happening. You're like, whoa, okay, you know, yeah. like, you know, I mean, no, you know, whether it's something crazy like an app like um, um, Tinder or something like that, we're like, yeah. whoa, we knew people were screwing around, but we didn't realize yeah. just how bad it was going to turn with that, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's like okay, you know, like, that's where we've got to learn on the fly. But you're right, there's yeah. so much that if we could just start people out a little better, uh, yeah. a little better footing on, you know, like what they're going to encounter in ministry, yeah. we and, should. And we should even, be doing that. And even having a phone number to say, I'm about to screw up. Yeah. How do I fix it? I've had a couple people <laughs> that I know that I can call, you know, yeah. in the time that I've been here, I was like, okay, like, they didn't prepare me for this. What do I do? You yeah. know, I've even had some situations recently that I'm like, Oh, okay. I thought I was done with like new shockers, you know, yeah. and it's like, nope, don't have, don't have all the experience yeah. yet. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. Okay. Not another one. Not another one. Yeah. And know? I think that's one that, that people in a full-time position, they would, they'd be like, well, I, I'm not going to be co-vocational because yeah. I'm already in a place. It's like, eh, maybe God <laughs> wants you to think a little more creatively to be like, how do you empower people that are trying to do the same thing? Yeah, but maybe don't have the same resources, get them connected and then raise up leaders and then make yourself obsolete where you're at and you redo something else and you yeah. keep growing through that. So, but uh, the other thing that I think is really interesting with uh, what I'm sure our conversation had uh, was how do you meet a specific need in the community yeah. in a way that will be noticeable if you're not meeting it. Right. So like your daycare and even your lawn yeah. business yeah. where it's like, you have these resources, you're maximizing for the kingdom. You know, I never once saw Jesus say in his parables, go become a pastor. Mm -hmm. But in the parable of the talents, the only, the only person in the parable of the talents that Jesus said that the father was frustrated with was the one who didn't maximize what he had. Yeah. And so I happen to believe that the one talent servant, if he'd come back and just given any effort, basically he would have said, well done. If you even if he had given some <laughs> yeah. effort and failed, yeah. he's like, Master, Thanks I did everything I could and lost yeah. that talent. He's like, All right, you did something. Yeah. You know, like 
I, that was what I wanted you to do. Yeah. And and for that matter, you know, I'm I'm willing to pay you to fail if you yep. tried your best and learned a good lesson in that failure. Yep. Like if you learned what not to do, great. That is yep. valuable knowledge. Yep. And so, you know, I look at the church. Um, yeah. um, I was actually a guest on uh, another podcast the other day called, it hasn't hit the air yet, he hasn't um, produced it yet, but it's called The Nomad Pastor. Yeah. And I was a guest on his show, and you know, he's like, what's one thing that you think the church needs to do or embrace today? And I was like, oh man, there's probably a couple. And I said, but if I had to narrow it to one, I'd love to see the church get a willingness to experiment and 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 that means a willingness to what some might call a failure, but yeah. it's really not failing if it's an experiment. Because an yeah. experiment is create a hypothesis, test it. If the test comes back where it doesn't work, yeah. then you you completed that experiment, yeah. and you know not to do that thing that way again. Um, just like the light bulb with you know Edison, yeah. whatever it was ten thousand ways not to create a light bulb or whatever the actual yeah. you know quote was, and it's like. You know, we've tried a lot of stuff here, um, yeah. you know, before both before COVID and then and then during and after where it's like, well, let's give this a shot and see if this is a way that we can reach some folks. And when that didn't work, we tried something else. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tried um, years ago, we tried to do like a, a generational Wednesday night service where we actually combined, you know, all ages, kids, teens and, yeah. and adults together started out in the sanctuary. And this wasn't anything revolutionary or sure. necessarily new, but it was like let's spend 30 minutes together where we, where we sing and pray and have one, one small teaching point that hits everyone. And then from there we'll break off into age, age yep. groups. Yep. And it was, it was actually frustrating at the time because there were several of our older folks that, um, that I know are praying for their grandchildren, that somebody will reach them for Christ. Cause they don't seem to be able to. And yet they would actually just go and come in and sit in their classroom and wait yeah. until the teacher was there when the group yep. time was over. I'm like, no, this isn't optional. So we ended up shutting down the whole program. Yep. You can say it was out of spite, but it was honestly like, I, I just had this moment where I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing this. I am not rewarding that bad behavior. Yep. So yep. we don't have an adult Wednesday night program anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have a, I, I have a midweek Bible study during the daytime because my folks that can't see at night to sure. drive, it gives them that opportunity to, to be there. And, and we enjoy that time together yeah. and it's good. Um, but I'm like, I'm not rewarding what's honestly what was bad behavior yeah. because we had an opportunity to impact a generation. And, and instead they're like, I'd rather just sit in my classroom and shoot the breeze for 15 yeah. minutes. Well, that is a mistake. And it was frustrating. Is that. You know, I've never encountered generations truly not enjoying being together. Yeah. When they meet on common terms. Yeah. And when they just share life. You know, there may be parts of the service that they wouldn't enjoy. Like, you know, whenever I whenever I have the youth band play, for example, they always learn they always learn and sing hymns. Yeah. So because what what I explained to them is you know, these are songs that people have been saved to. These mm -hmm. are generational songs that have history and they matter. Yeah. Um, and then when I work with some of our more experienced people, um, I tell them, just like, just as I am as your generational mm -hmm. song, Living Hope might be this this one's yeah. generational song. Yeah. Think of all the people that will be saved to the song That's if good. we're faithful. And That's if good. we if we embrace each other's songs and we don't have our songs and their songs, we just have our songs, songs. Yeah. and and so, we did some of that we would yeah. actually sing 
songs that were like geared to, and they, these were all led by videos we did have uh, like one guy that would like play guitar with them but he he wasn't like a lead guitar you know but if you had worshiptutorials.com ah yeah <laughs> so um nice plug in there again you don't own any stock there do Nothing. you yeah okay yeah you just I like do, it that much the only thing i do is buy some of their products every yep. now and then yeah uh but you know we would do like you know like one or two that were geared towards the kids you know they're from yep. you know some kids group we would do some youth songs that they loved and then yep. you know do a hymn or two or, or something yep. older and so we actually had a blend for everyone yep. and and it wasn't like just trying to be blended quote unquote it was just like let's let's touch everyone's you know thing that's going to resonate with them yep. and and hopefully learn from each other yeah um and and so and to be to be fair like i said there was a few folks that were you know kind of oh, sure. frustrated with it but we had some folks that really embraced it and loved yep. it too um and and actually some of the most ardent supporters of that literally moved on like they moved to a different state right yeah. you know we had a couple others that something changed in their life and they weren't able to make it anymore so at that point it was like we didn't really have much of a yeah. quorum to do that and so so that's kind of really why it fizzled but i'm like i'm not going to try to kick this back up again if yeah. this is the attitude that goes on well and and if it's just something else that needs to happen there's that know. there's that aspect of yeah it. and and that's where and and i never i never wanted to be like yeah. i won't I won't keep stuff. I won't get rid of it just because it's something traditional. Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to just cut traditions just for the sake of traditions. But if that's all it is, yeah. is a tradition and it's, and it's actually more like work for everyone involved yeah. and the people are coming begrudgingly to it. And if I don't want to, I mean, a Sunday night service is like that yeah. for me. I did them for a time. I've nobody asked me to, but I said, we're going to do this again, at least during this winter time. And, um, and I had an, an actual, like, uh, an evangelistic purpose to it. It was actually going to be kind of like an ongoing encouragement and training yep. for like, who do you, where do you see God at work in your, in yep. your sphere of influence? Um, where, where we had a little time in the word, where do you see Christ in the word? Like we would do a little Bible study. And then how are you going to carry Christ to your world yep. today, this week? Yep. And, and I was actually trying to come up with like, um, not homework, but like specific, like, here's how you, you know, here's, we talked about your person, your people, yep. And, and so here's maybe some touch points you have with them where you can connect them to Christ through the word that we've learned. Yeah. And that degraded over time. This and I just, it just got to thing. where I was like Sunday afternoon showing up here for this, where, where all we're doing is chit chatting about some stuff. And we never really got to the, the nitty gritty on it. I was just yeah. like, I can be home with my family this afternoon. Yeah. And, and I think you're hitting on something there where there's a lot of fear yeah. in church culture around the, the decline mm. that we see. And I think there's a lot of fear that church in America is uh, not what it used to be. Shocker. True. And we're getting closer and closer to uh, post-Christendom. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, we're, we're a lot closer than we think and we're a lot further yeah. than we think because there are certain things that are integrated into the psyche of a lot of people here in, in this country that there there is still natural draws into yeah. the christian calendar yeah. right so christmas and easter for example the traditional yeah. things where it's like you know we sometimes are frustrated about christian and easter attenders but we should say thank god they're still coming then yeah <laughs> and I, maybe actually, we can get them to to have an experience where yeah. maybe the holy spirit moves and at our church we've uh we've been working with an organization actually out of germany and you may have heard of them in nazarene circles uh called church in action mm -hmm. And uh, basically, their model flips uh, 
the practice of how you become a part of their church upside down. Yeah. Because in America, we have traditionally thought that you should come to church, get discipled, go serve yeah. the world. Yeah. And so uh, in Germany, population is 2% Christian. Mm-hmm. So nobody's going to church. Yeah. And if nobody's going to church, under our model, nobody's getting discipled. Right. And yet there still seems to be, no matter what organization you see, there are people who, who are trying to do good in the world. Yeah. And I think that that's an intrinsic thing that God hardwires into our heart is that we want to make a difference. And we want to make our environment better. Yeah. Apparently we do. Yeah. And And that's like you say, God built that into us. Yeah. And what that is, is that's actually prevenient grace, the prompting of the Holy Spirit working in us to be like, things are not as they should be. Things are not at peace or at rest. or Like we all know that. Yeah. You don't have to go to seminary to figure that out. And it's like, but you know what is good? Feeding the hungry. Everybody can agree to this, right? Yeah. And Some of them say, not in my backyard, sure. but let's feed them somewhere. But, but you know what else is good? People being able to read. Yeah. Um, you know. So that they can maybe earn yeah. know, some money at a job and not be hungry. Giving <laughs> giving somebody a trade give the, skill. Give them the tools yeah. to, to not be homeless, not be hungry. Yeah. Be, and yeah. so Church in Action, one of the things that they do is they try to get non-christian people and they actually target only having 20 percent people in the group that already believe in jesus mm, yeah i heard that and so 80 percent of their group they're targeting are people who just want to make a difference in the world yeah and then they go and they serve together and then they also uh begin discipling conversations through the natural <laughs> outflow of serving together sure because for those of us who have grown up in church and gone on mission trips and had experiences like that and done service projects those conversations are more natural in that environment than they are in a church a lot of time and it's a lot easier and more organic to get people to say you know hey we're going to go and hand out water together at um i don't know in oklahoma city we just had the okc marathon okay so we're going to go hand out waters at the marathon and then after that, we're going to go and do this sort of thing. We have an, a homeless outreach yeah. that we go and we just take them essentials that right. they're allowed to have. And we, we go back to the same place uh, once a month. And so the rest of the month is around finding out what these people's needs are to where it's like, well, you know, everybody's like, well, we don't want to give them money. It's like, okay, yeah. but we're supposed to take care of the poor. Yeah. So how do we actually do that? Well, sure. they need wipes. Because like your shower problem, yep. Yep. wipes are huge. They're oh yeah, they're like the biggest blessing right. for those people. Right. Um, they have dogs. It's like, well, if you're homeless, why do you have a dog? Well, because I live in a dangerous place and I need protection. Okay, it's it's, it's, them... it's one comforting companion that they can count on to be there regardless yeah. of their situation. And, if... and you know, I met a lot of homeless people like that. And part of me has to say, like, you know, you could get into a shelter if you didn't have the dog. And they're yeah. like, ah, you know, for a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's not a permanent thing. So. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, that's one of the things that I had to get over because I thought yeah. like I knew better, you know, and and yeah. and then, you you know, but I haven't I haven't lived in their tent and walked in their shoes. Yeah. And so I really don't know what that's like. And and so, yeah, give yeah. them some dog food, you know, dog food. There's because a church in our they're going to take their burger that yeah. you give them on the side. They're going to give most of it to their dog. dog. <laughs> there's there's um there's a church in our community here that does a lot of yeah. um, a lot of good stuff with that. And and we're friends with them and they um 
Um, they do, you know, like they do dog food mm -hmm. and they also do um, laundry packs with yep. like the little laundry detergent pods mm -hmm. and like quarters, yep. you know, and a couple dryer sheets yep. or something. It's just like, here, you're going to wash your clothes at the laundromat. Yep. Or maybe you're not because you can't afford it. So like, here's your soap. Here's some quarters. Yep. You know, and and it's like, yeah, somebody could sure in theory they could take the quarters and go do whatever yeah, with them. But that's between them. And, exactly. And so and and like if you find out somebody's doing that routinely, okay, maybe don't give it yeah. to them. You know, but like, should that keep us from doing it at all? Yeah. No. Um, because I don't see people opening up their laundry room and saying, no. "Come use mine." So, yeah. if nothing else, then let them. You know. And, and that might be the thing that stands between them. Like maybe they're trying to get a job, but their clothes are filthy. Yeah. You know? Well, that's another one. You might've been helping actually get them into a better place in life. Yeah. And if you're worried about people taking your quarters and buying things that you don't want them to buy, go sit at the laundromat one Saturday dude, month. And dude, my, my friend, everybody. my friend, Joe Drake, uh, here on the, the mug, we do this let's talk <laughs> podcast and this is Joe. Um, and, uh, so we do this other podcast, shameless plug for that. Um, twice a month we put that out and funny story. So we're recording an episode tomorrow morning via the internet. Uh, we, we recorded one yesterday and by recorded one, I mean, we talked to each other over an internet connection where I thought I'd hit the record button and I hadn't. So 45 minutes in, I'm like, dude, Joe, we just, uh, that was a great conversation. We didn't capture any of that. Yeah. It's like, oh man. I've had so, that happen. Yeah, before. fun times. So like yeah. I keep nervously today checking the, the clock timer on the thing. I'm like, I did hit record, right? Yep, it's going, it's counting. We're yeah. good. So yeah. but uh Joe Joe's church has done that. They take board yeah. games yep. or, or little games or whatever. They take they buy some pizzas yep. and they bring quarters and laundry soap and they sit with people at the laundromat and they're yep. like, you know, hey, can we feed your washing machine and your dryer with quarters, you know, and, and feed your bellies. Play, yep. play games with the kids yep. and then sit down and talk. And it's like novel concept, right? Yeah. And you then, know, super easy. Then and, you say things and, like, and, we'll be here every month at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Come like, see us again. This is the time to show up. Yeah. And so there's a million things that you can do. Yeah. There's and, one great example. Go and do it. You know, yeah. and if not that, do something else. Well, and the one that, that the leader of Church in Action, his name's Philip Zimmerman. Uh, there are two Zimmerman brothers. I've just met Philip. But uh, the one that, that kind of messes with church people. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into that at the end of things. Just uh, <laughs> right. Why not? Why not stir this kind of things up? So now? The they're in Frankfurt. Yeah. So they're going to meet in a pub. Uh, well, I wasn't even going there, but yes, they do. Yeah. Um, they work the red light district. Oh yeah. They yeah. do care kits for uh, right. people who are professional sex workers. Yeah. So here's the one that's going to mess with our church people because it's, what do you do with this? They built a relationship with this woman and invited her on a mission trip. Oh, wow. And she didn't profane, proclaim any faith. Yeah. She chose to go on the mission trip. Mm. She funded her mission trip first. <laughs> yeah. And like, we know how. And so. And the question is, is that something like, can God take that? Yeah. And, and use that to, 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 you know, work in her heart, but also yeah. in the people that they're ministering to. Mm -hmm. Obviously so, the answer is yes, but yeah. tell me how it happens. Like, so, so what happened is they, they built this relationship with this, this worker and uh, she was so moved and was in relationship, was like their most consistent person. She went, oh on goodness, the mission, wow. went on the mission trip with them, came back from the mission trip and is still, you know, living the same life yeah. because she doesn't necessarily have skills. We don't know all the things, you know. Sure. I'm sure that the people in the direct story know more. Yeah. But as a pastor and as a congregant, yeah. how comfortable are we waiting 
I'm, I'm just picturing too, like a couple, you know, if some guys yeah. are going and their wife is, and they're yep. like, "Hey, we're going on this." Like, I heard there's a prostitute coming along. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, she's a person, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, she's and, she's coming to serve too. And the thing is, we have created church to be a place where you have to behave. Yeah. Before you can belong. Right. Yeah. You never see that like explicitly. Yeah. It's like it's usually like. Uh, be, be, be yeah. belong believe become or something like yeah. that but we never see behave but it's like yeah. implied it, it like implied. learn learn our culture and learn how we act yeah become that and then you can be part of us and that's, yeah. that's backwards right yeah and that's why they do their model that way especially yeah. in a two percent christian country right and, and you know we're not quite to the same place yeah. and there's definitely work that they've had to do around that and i would be fascinated to hear you know, yeah. How does that conversation go with that leadership team? Because here's the cost. Yeah. If you don't take her on the trip with you, mm. you label her. Yeah. And she lives into that label. And she lives into the label. Yeah. And we have caused harm. Perhaps irreparable harm at that point too. Yeah. Because like, is she is she going to give you another chance? She's and, she's seen your heart now. Yeah. And she's seen, you know, how stubborn it is. Yeah. And and it's going to take a lot to chip through that stony. Yeah ground you know well and then the other side just must be a little <laughs> bit more you know there is a threat of well this is okay yeah boy we talk about Man, that. that's the tension yeah we talk about that a lot you know i guess i'll just say in american churches or whatever but you know in our churches you know somebody comes in that's that they, they, they seem to be in relationship with christ or maybe they come in and and get into a relationship yeah. with christ and they're being discipled, although we do a terrible job of that. That's a yep. different topic, but um, or not one we have enough time for, I guess. Yep. Unless we want to be up all night. But yep. you got a, you got an early flight tomorrow, so I'm not going to do that. I don't even know what time it is. <laughs> early, I think. But anyway, um, so, you know, we, we do a uh, you know, mediocre to poor job of discipling most of the time. Um, but, but man, you know, where was I going with that? Um no, I don't even know. I lost it thinking about your airplane flight in the morning. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, yeah. but, but along those lines, though, we, we usually say, oh, so somebody will come in. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about like labeling people and all that. So somebody will come in and they'll be, um, you know, somewhere along the path of discipleship. And yet there's obviously things in their lives that are yeah. like maybe habitual ongoings and maybe they're living yeah. with their sure. boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And we're like, well, yeah. that's not, that's not how God, that's not God's plan for you. That's not right, yeah. is what we might say. And, and, and so we say, well, you're, we want you to be here. We want you to be part yep. of the church. And then we'll like kind of silo off an area that they can serve A in. A safe place. Behind the scenes, yep. preferably. Yep. Because what she said, we don't want to stamp it as condoned behavior. Yep. And we think that if we put them. And so I've, I've literally struggled with that because there's part yep. of me that says, but we're not. Like we haven't made a statement that says, okay, we condone their lifestyle. What we are condoning is the fact that they're like growing yep. closer to Christ yep. and that they actually want to serve him yep. um, because nobody in their right mind, unless they're like just a starlet or something that's looking for attention is going to be like, Hey, can I, um, can I be up on your stage and sing these songs? You know, like they're probably doing that because they're actually grateful for what Christ is doing in their lives. Yep. So let's, how can we embrace that and still um, call them to holiness? I mean, yep. the Nazarene church is still a holiness group yep. and, Hopefully we, hopefully we always will be. Um, but we also, in that context, have to understand, like, um, God's got to start with them from somewhere. Yep. And, and um, 
far be it for me to try to step in the way of that. And so yeah. where I came to terms with it is this. When it comes to people living like that, uh, of course, I mean, as the as the shepherd of the congregation, shepherd of the flock, I do have a responsibility yeah. to certain things. Yeah. And so I have to live it and address it on that level. But, man, just from a discipleship viewpoint, it is so much easier. You know, this is for me. This is for you. This is for any Christian. It's so much easier if we just say, you know what? Um, I've been walking hand in hand with Christ for a long time, and he's taught me so many things. And all I want to do is, is hold your hand until you're ready to put your hand in the hand of Christ, and yep. then I let go. Yep. And as soon as I let go of your hand and allow you to just hold hands with Christ and him to lead you and guide you, yep. I don't have to do anything to clean you up. Yep. And so now it's the Holy Spirit's work to illuminate those areas in your life where you're not living right. And where you're not living, as we talked about earlier, like yeah. God didn't create you to live this way. This is These are bringing death and yeah. not life. And let me show you, you know, like, should you, you know, should you eat, you know, um, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat New York strips in the airport. We already established that. But should you, should you eat should like you eat two 10. New York strips a day? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. You know, that's probably a bad way of living. Should you eat like the whole package of bacon every time you cook it? Maybe if you only cook it once a month, you know, but like, don't do that every day, you know, maybe yeah. a couple strips, limit it, you know, moderation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the same way, you know, the spirit of God is going to be like, this isn't how you were created to live. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. You know, is, is adultery a sin? Oh yeah. You know, but Jesus talked about it and he's like, adultery starts in your heart, yeah. you know? And yeah. so what I'm worried about is what's in here. Yeah. What you do externally is a symptom of what's going on in your heart and in your spirit. Yeah. And I want to fix that part of you. Yeah. And so for me, um, my job got so much easier when I finally relinquished control of that and said, yeah. it's not up to me to be their conscience. It's up to me to be their guide in the sense yeah. that I would guide them to Christ. And when they have questions along the way, like, I think God's telling me this. I'm like, yeah, he probably is, you yeah. know, or when you start to step outside of that, you know, I'm just like, no, God's not, you know, God, that's not what yeah. God has for you. Um, and, and so as soon as I see them start to pull away from Christ, like, mm -mm, you, you good yeah. right back in that relationship. That's our job. Yeah. So yeah, we're still going to wrestle with those things. Like, oh, yeah. um, you know, should that person be there? You know, so, you know, the big one, you know, that, that a lot of churches are struggling with is like, okay, well, what about, you know, full affirming of people in homosexual relationships or, or with their, um, with that being their, um, you know, their identity or what have you. And it's like, the church has got to be a place where we welcome them as brothers yeah. and sisters. And, and until, first of all, until I can do that on an individual basis and say, like, I don't hate you. I don't have any animosity towards you. Um, I'm not even judging you. All I'm, all I want to do is see you come to Christ. If that can be our primary goal is to see yeah. people come to Christ, it still makes that so much easier. Does that solve all the questions that we have? Yeah. No, not at all. And yeah. I don't think you and I are going to answer those tonight. I don't no. want to try yeah. um, because this has been a good conversation. And yeah. I hope people that watch it and listen to it are like, hey, I feel like this was good. And so I don't want to muddy those waters. Um, but I do know that even in what tends to be one of the most, um, you know, kind of hot button issues yeah. in in it's not just to the church is dealing with this. It's all throughout, yeah. you know, secular culture and society, too. Um, I hope that somewhere we can land in a place as the church that says, you know, um, as we look back, we we learn to be welcoming. We learn to be inclusive of individuals and of people. And yeah. and and our job, what did Jesus tell us to do? To make disciples. Yeah. And so part of that means just leading people to Jesus. And so what you were saying about church in action, you know, 
where does that start? Does that start after they yep. behave like us and become like us? Or does the, do those things begin to happen later? And so what if we gave people a place to serve and they just thought they were doing some good cause or social justice or something yep. like that? Which they are. Which they are. Yeah. Um, there's a man I met named Daryl Kripe who um, um, works with, I think it's the Amplio Group, I think is who he works with. But he's um, he, he talks with churches and, and helps them um, helps them get on mission, basically. And one of the things that he talks about is um, everybody discipling or, or, or you know, uh, kind of evangelizing, whatever you want to call it, like r trying to reach one person or maybe you might have two or three ones, but he calls them your ones. And everybody works towards that. And these are people that you intentionally um, orient your schedule, your life around being able to spend time with them. And it's not just like, okay, you lead them to Jesus and then you move on to the next one. Like you... These are people that you're friends with that you care about, and you care about them so much that you want to do that. And so um, their church in Indianapolis actually has like a free grocery store for yep. people that can't buy groceries. And so they'll shop the yep. store with a cart. They'll yep. go through a bagging station, and it might even scan them up just so they can keep stock. Yep. I don't know. And then, it, But it's, it's free. And, and their church has a space. They can afford to do that. They're in a wealthy, like one of the wealthiest zip codes in the country. But yeah, yep. there's a lot of poor among them that can't afford their food. And so this is one thing their yep. church can do. So he has a foreign exchange student that's a German girl. And she's like atheist, like probably most of the rest of her country yep. is. But she would serve there because she sure. thought she's doing social justice is what he said. And he's like, and she is. She is. But yep. she's also partnering with Christ and she doesn't yep. know it yet. So he, his group started... Um, also working in Germany. So he's like, I get a chance now to go and visit her and her family. Like she's still in my life, you know, even after going back to Germany after her year of uh, studying here. And and so it's like, you know, that if, if they said, no, you can't serve here because you're not a Christian, you can't serve in this capacity because that, I guarantee she wouldn't want to see him when he comes and visits over there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, realizing that, our responsibility is to love people. Yeah. And our responsibility is to give opportunity for people to see Christ work through our actions. Yeah. And the spirit is so much better at being the spirit than we ever could yeah. be. And just trusting that the spirit is going to work things out if we're faithful. You know, I think that's really, if you read the entirety of scripture, I think that's really the only thing that we're called to. Yeah. Is to be faithful. <laughs> And if we're faithful, we've done everything we can and we receive the reward. And and isn't that what Jesus said, yeah. you know, when there's a final judgment with its rewards and punishments, as we say in a, yeah. some of our liturgy. And he says, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. I think that one has to be quoted in King James. Thou has to be there. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a King James guy, but that, that one you got to quote in King James. He's like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, and that's the thing that we strive to hear, yeah. um, you know, because that means we, we lived how we were designed to live. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, we talked earlier about being partners with God and his ministry on this earth. And that's what, um, that's what we're doing. So yeah. anyway, well, I think, uh, we've had a good, uh, good little conversation here for probably almost a couple hours now, I think. So yeah, right at it. Yeah. That was a good time. Um, yeah, how much to, you put on there? Uh, <laughs> you put so, a full two hours. Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're we're yeah. we're going. We don't we don't edit, right. really. Yeah, unless yeah. one of us said something really stupid that we wish we hadn't, and I don't remember <laughs> anything that I cringed at. So, yeah, this is a this is a 
deep uh, deep dive into yeah. a so conversation you're kind of going with the Joe so. Rogan style. Yeah, I mean, like, you yeah. know, man, that's controversial bringing up his name, but no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny how he can be like, he can just have conversations with people who are like, I can't yeah. believe he would think that. It's like, well, that's his guest, but he has another guy that says a different thing. And yeah. like, well, you know, he's, you know, he's too whatever. He's too conservative. He's too whatever. It's like, uh, he he's a fan of Bernie Sanders. Like he's, yeah. you know, if, if you confuse common sense with conservatism, fine, whatever. But like, you know, yeah. he's, he's pretty balanced on a lot of things and you're not going to agree with a hundred percent, you know, you might not agree with half of him, but, um, he has a lot of interesting people on yeah and yeah they'll go they'll talk for like three and four hours sometimes yeah. with certain people so um i just i like to sit and have the conversation for however long it goes when it feels like it's done don't force it it's time for that conversation to be over so yeah. that's my theory on it and if people want to listen straight through fine if they want to um break it up into segments i mean i do that with some stuff i talked about um lex friedman i think yeah. is a podcast i like to listen to and um, he, uh, you know, his stuff, I'll listen to it cause some of his guests fascinate me and they're all smarter than me. So I feel like I could learn something from him and, um, yeah, his stuff goes on two, three, four hours. Yeah. So, um, I can't get through that in one setting most of the time, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. I can. So yeah. I'll, I'll listen to that while I'm at the gym or something and, you know, go that way. But yeah, if, if somebody finds, you know, there's a million podcasts, if you don't like the length of this one, find another yeah. one. Like I'm... You know, I'm fine with that. I don't, yeah. It doesn't hurt my feelings any. So. Yeah.